This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Alex. And hi, I'm Cora. And we're going to talk about Black Priestess of Varda by Eric Fennell. I bought this from a very sketchy looking website called audiobooksnow.com. <laughs> Audiobooks Now. So there's a, apparently like uh, 5,000, maybe maybe 500 uh, other websites after Audible and Downpour that also sell audiobooks. And uh, I've generally found that if an audiobook is available on Audible, very good chance it's available on Downpour, which is where I will buy it. Um, But I somehow stumbled over the fact that this book exists as an audiobook only uh, out in the world without um, being on Audible or Downpour. So... That's how we ended up with it. Uh, Brian K. Fitzgibbon is the narrator, and I think he's the copyright holder for the audiobook. Um, it is public domain as a PDF, and um, uh, he pronounced foliage wrong. Uh, a few other words here and there, but otherwise, fine narration, good narration. Um, apparently, uh, one of our number didn't find this to be the ultimate book. <laughs> Alex, what's your problem with Black Priestess of Varda? Wow, that's it, really aggressive, Jesse. That's a that's a that's a hard intro. Um, <laughs> it comes across as all of the negative stereotypes of pulp science fiction <laughs> that people are always talking about, and I have found not to be universally true. A lot of great <laughs> science fiction stories, even in Planet Stories, Planet Stories had a reputation as not the the literary yeah. science fiction magazine. Yeah. It was. You know, lurid cover art mm. and you know this is the luridest kind of this is grade stories yeah. I, there are a lot of great stories in there this one starts out fairly strong I, I had a lot of hopes you know first first bit of this story I'm like this is fun this is good it's a good mm-hmm. setup I'm liking this and by the end it just I felt like it fell apart it was none of it really made sense um, <laughs> I I would agree the that the middle doesn't make a lot of sense but the ending's pretty good yeah. um the ending is good again. The middle is it almost it feels um, it doesn't make a lot of sense and especially this extended psychedelic floating astral world scene. Oh yeah, this, <laughs> really I, makes uh, doesn't make a lot of sense at all. Really and somehow she's pregnant that. at the end of it. And yeah, and <laughs> there's a lot of oh of course. Like what do you mean oh of course? There was he was unconscious. Yeah, and is now having twins. <laughs> yeah, twins. Yeah. Which, which oddly enough does not bother him at all that this woman basically raped him while he was uh, while he was um, in a healing tank. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, cons- the back consent to tank. is sexy. Non-consent is not sexy. Apparently, he never asked his consent. Did you exactly. know? Did like, you know? Um, in Empire, uh, when Luke is in the back to tank. Uh, yeah, the, this is similar. The reason he was in the back to tank was because um, Mark Hamill had had an accident, and they needed yeah, to have him. Yeah, yeah. and he needed to have some injuries explained away, so they put that scene in there to, and it works, right? It may. Well, it, he yeah. had gone through. A, he gone through a lot anyway, so it makes sense for him being that tank. I mean, it makes sense within the context of the story. I mean, well, they had to get attacked, and it it makes sense story, but. It also explains why the actor suddenly has a bunch of 
you know, his face looks different. Yeah. Um, but uh, he also got a hand chopped off in that movie, <laughs> which we also have in this story. Yeah, this guy also gets his hand chopped off. No, we, yeah. we, 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 twice. We, 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 twice. We, we, do, we, do, we do have a, 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 a disabled protagonist. I will not use the word that the story uses because no, no, no. Offensive no. We don't use that word And every anymore. time it came up, I twinged a bit like, oh, ow. Yes, you, I you know. felt a, a pain in your phantom arm every time I, 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 that, the word cripple no, came I am into not the Gil story. Harm, I'm, not Gil, I'm not Gil Hamilton. I don't have a crippled arm. And yeah, I know it's a different story entirely, but <laughs> a phantom arm. So It's pretty so rare, yes. right, to have a, a crippled narrator, uh, at, at least well, in I really Jesse, like the fact that narrator. we had a disabled protagonist here Yes, I, because it's uncommon for the era. And I wonder whether it was it's from 1947, of course, when there would have been disabled war veterans, uh, veterans and quite a few of them. Disabled yeah, World guy, War II veterans. A guy missing a hand and a scarred face would have been... Oh, and, and a missing eye, rare. too. He has a missing eye. Yeah, missing yeah. eye. At least a blind eye. We don't know if it's actually I, physically missing. No, I think it's missing. Is it uh, no, yeah, At any rate, he can't see. Yes, he has um, problems with... Um, Depth vision because he's he's one eye. Well, we he know he, he's blind in one eye for sure. Had, yeah, it's uh, which um, isn't. But uh, okay, disabled protagonist is a plus for the story. Also, <laughs> three import, three strong female characters. Very, diff- very di- okay. Two of them are uh, some fantastic, same, yeah. but still, three strong two of them are weird characters twin in evil. the story from the forties. Very unusual. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Started out like he was like he'd been betrayed by his fiance mm-hmm. and she'd hooked up with this new guy and she was clearly like, a villain right from the beginning there was no <laughs> yeah. like, oh my gosh she's she, like of course she's gonna she already betrayed him like right off the bat she's evil and i was happy with that like it just we're gonna go with this and you know she was trying to play people off it it was a good setup for the story i was really digging it um and then it just got really it fell into that weird mid-20th century telepathy thing. oh yeah no. Um, which just used to be really popular as a theme. It's like this is a big concept. What if people could, you know, read minds? Wouldn't that mm-hmm. be amazing? And it, I don't know. This wasn't a good exploration <laughs> of the topic. But uh, we we also got a little monkey guy, or what was it called? Uh, a little lung, squirrel guy, thing? squirrel lemur. thing, lemur so, thing. To, to yeah, lemur. Yeah, so that was also to, telepathic. To it's also telepathic. It's a, pretty a, awesome. Krasna has a telepathic pet. Which is sort of, which is sort of like, a, yeah, well, sounds like something out of a. This is actually what it reminded me of. It sound a lot of this sounded like a 1980s uh, rather offbeat Saturday morning kids cartoon. Yeah, yeah. no, it would make yeah. a great it's cartoon. A, uh, yeah, I think it that's. Have, it sounds like a cartoon. It would have made it wonderful. It sounded like a 1980s, like a forgotten 1980s cartoon. I think it should be adapted as a cartoon. Like, you don't do a live action version of this. Is stupid. But I, I could totally see it as a 80s, 90s style, you know, animation. Um, and cut out a lot of that stuff in the middle. I think you actually have a pretty cracking story. But, so, but the, the question is, okay, so he gets his his abilities basically because of that weird stuff in the middle. So how do you explain his... Um, uh, it would be better if he didn't have abilities. Right, he's trying to do the John Carter thing, where yeah. you know you get on the new planet Superman. Yeah, but it doesn't work. I'm from a planet with no telepaths, so on the planet full of te- <laughs> telepaths, I'm the best telepath. Yeah, That's, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That's dumb. <laughs> Have him be immune to telepathy. There's your superpower. Yeah, it it doesn't really make a lot of sense that part. Um, however, he is a uh, sorry, a disabled protagonist. He's missing an arm, missing an eye. Um, 
but if you guys look at the cover, um, who's on the cover? This is a scene from the story, which is awesome because it, it yeah. it's actually Alan Anderson just reusing the same image he's used in two other Planet Stories covers, right? Lady with a sword over her head, um, guy whip, in the background. Whip, whip. It's, a, it's a whip. It, a multi-tongue whip. Uh, well, in this case, but we've also seen this in another... Uh, this is actually why I wanted to find an audiobook of this, is because this is also a uh, Lee Brackett uh, cover, right? It, it's the same yeah. image. Uh, it's it's the one set yeah, on Mars. A, What's a, it called? A guy in the background stabbing yeah, someone with, with a sword. Black Amazon of Mars. Black Amazon of Mars. Black same Amazon cover. has a different outfit. It's, it's same yes, setup. It. She's, uh, she doesn't have a lemur on her shoulder in that one. Uh, she's got a laser sword or something. I, I mean, you, you might almost say like it's an axe, right? It's an axe, right? But yes, there's a gray, the Luvens, this gray lumpy things looks like they're supposed to look. The Lemur is yep. there. Um, okay, he is. Uh, okay, so he's uh, he's not disabled. He would have right. been disabled at this point. He's not disabled. He apparently has. He two has hands, two arms, two although arms. one of them is hidden. And we can't see whether he has two eyes. Right. And. Um, she is. She looks more like Sin or Margaret, who are both dark haired. Yeah, dark hair. No, Margaret is blonde. So no, Mar- she looks like Sin, Margaret's who's dark haired, but she is apparently supposed to be Krasna, who's red haired. It is Krasna because this scene it is also be Krasna because it, the scene is Krasna, but yes. Krasna is red hair. Is a red hat. Yeah, Sin is the one who is dark. Things are slightly Margaret. off on the cover. On the interior so can... art, if you look to the next couple of pages, scroll down a bit. We've got... We get the vat scene. The vat scene, which is awesome, and the lavender liquid, right? And above uh, is his girlfriend, Margaret, uh, getting all stabby. She's about to cut off one of his thumbs, right? One of his... uh, Wait, his only thumb. Um, And then... uh, uh, All of his thumb. (laughs) All of his thumb. And uh, if you look closely, he only has one arm. You can't... If you're reading the story, you just would assume it's lost in the mist there, Right. Yeah, if you just picked up the magazine, but he is missing an arm there, and then if you very accurate, and then if you go to the page twenty five art, um, he is totally missing an arm there, and I you can you're also this. You're gonna you're of course, Paul, on the, the web page, of course, sure. yeah, it'll be in the in the post, uh, but you can also see he's got a scratch uh, across his face. Showing one eye missing, and then we've got that scene uh, recapitulated on the cover, um, with a savage bellow. Elden leaped, and then I'll just read that scene. An expression that might have been amazement crossed the pasty gray features of the Luvens. Elden's sword slashed in a hissing arc, and uh, and as one of the Luvens, as one Luven moved sluggishly back, it stumbled over Krasna's prostrate form with a savage bellow. Elden leaped, his backswing bit deep. The Leuven's shapeless mouth opened soundlessly. <laughs> Noisily. <laughs> Soundlessly. <laughs> Soundlessly. As a blue-black fluid gushed from the wound. So this scene is the it's like a second later or a second after uh, on the cover. But uh, Eric Fennell is not a famous person, right? Um, uh, he doesn't have a Wikipedia entry. His ISFDB listing has 10 uh, stories. So um, I picked this based on the cover. <laughs> and yeah. it is absolutely as 
uh, Planet Stories pulpy as I've read. The only thing that is perhaps worse in the pulp style of stereotypes that uh, Alex was talking about uh, is a gardener at Fox, uh, one that I read that was on the cover as well. And that was started off really well, and then it, it sort of devolved into what? Come on. What are we doing? Where are you going? Um, but I think this one pulled it off uh, at the end. Is it has a, He's returning to Mars, essentially, right? He's returning Vada. to... He's returning to Vada, well, not to Mars. Sorry, I meant to say Barsoom. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because it is a, it is a portal fantasy uh, where he it's goes to... It's very Edgar Rice Burroughs. Very, yeah, it's trying to be Edgar yeah. Rice Burroughs. Um, it has a scientific uh, explanation. He's a inventor sort of right mm-hmm. um and uh it's also a little bit similar to um the it's a little bit similar to the Heinlein uh the door into summer where he's got a girlfriend who betrays him wow uh, for another man and then he goes into the uh, goes through time remember um and he sees his girlfriend uh 20 he freezes himself goes goes into the future and sees a, his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, um, there uh, much older. And that's what happens to her at the end of the story, right? She's much older. Yeah. She's fat. Her she's, life's been drained from her. Right. She's been drained by Sasso or whatever Sasso right. was called. whatever Sasso is. is. Uh, yeah, it was, right? Yeah, it reminded me cultists. of the Dwellers in the Mirage. Oh, that's uh, that? a merit. I have not read that. Yeah, one. that's Vikings at the North Pole uh, with oh, a cool. squid god trying to come through and eating virgins. <laughs> yeah. As they do. Oh, this is that's also things. Pregnant ladies are really tasty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. delicious. Yep. So does the uh, the whatever the thing is in Dwellers of the Mirage? They they feed him uh, virgins and pregnant ladies. Well, that is um, clearly his source for material. However, the um, disabled protagonist is pretty unusual, Mono-limbed. right? Monolimbed? Monolimbed. Uh, oh, no. Monohanded. <laughs> because he has four limbs. Or he has three limbs, right? Whatever. Right. Um, I also noticed, just I just noticed it on the cover, um, one of the uh, blue-gray creatures has got blood gushing out of him. Uh, his sword is also getting bent, but yeah, there's like... Uh, big gush of blood coming out spurting out of him uh which so speaking of the cover yeah uh this cover was repainted by anderson for the january 52 issue for sargasso of lost starships right right it's it's three oh. three covers on planet stories have this woman with the what what kind of hair is that she's uh she looks like um looks like betty page betty page yes the betty page haircut sargasso uh, she's a blonde right right um, but it's, it's the like same laser chain thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a whip, uh, chain whip, awesome. Um, so it's a super iconic cover. Um, I assume that it was not written uh, based on the cover, but it certainly is kind of written based on what Planet Stories is about. Uh, oh, I just noticed also under where the text is on the cover um, through the. The yellow foliage, or foliage, as the narrator said. Um, there's a little city back there. You see it? A little blue city? 
Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, underneath the underneath the actual text. The yes. text yes. of Black Princess of Varda. So, it, it is super evocative and made me want to read it. I kind of enjoyed enjoyed it, but I think the middle is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but um, what do you think? Uh, I've I've been listening to a lot of uh, people talking about sensitivity readers. Um. Uh both pro and con. Um, and I, I really learned something very interesting that I hadn't thought about uh, with regard to sensitivity readers in a video. Yeah. I tweeted about this. Um, and that was, uh, they had a panel of, it was sensitivity readers, all, all a bunch of them, uh, you know, and they have their different specialty and when, you know, they're talking about how they do their business. But um, one of the things... that they all seem to think was that if they get some subject that they're not an expert in, um, they know somebody who could do that job, right? So one of them was uh, Chinese and something else. And she said, uh, maybe it was Vietnamese. um, And she said, whenever uh, I get something, someone wants me to be an expert on Japan, um, I'll pass that on to another person I know, right? So it's not like, they get to ha- be experts in everything, or sen- uh, yes, that makes sense. Of makes, course, I mean, makes sense. You right? have them for, for a single, usually for for one um, culture, other marginalization such as uh, disability, and they can't. Right. Uh, and they can. I mean, uh, regarding disability, this isn't this isn't a bad. But I've read in modern science fiction a lot worse disability portrayals, and uh, in one case, I'm not naming the book now. Now I I was like okay with this setup this book can't be anything else except being terribly it was about a double double amputee tea and I said with this setup the book is possibly going to be terribly offensive I my grandmother I had two amputees in my family so yeah I know a bit about amputees they were not double amputees one was enough my grandma and my uncle so and you said this is probably going to be bloody offensive. And then someone said, "Yeah, but the author is disabled." I said, "Like, oh, is she an amputee? No, but she is. Uh, she has. Uh, what was it? Bipolar. She's bipolar. Or wow, well, um, that's not the same something thing. Something like that. <laughs> that's I said, not the same thing. Really <laughs> oh, no, I think it was borderline or something syndrome. And I said, "Oh, yeah, that's something that people also get wrong a lot." But uh, just being, but being bipolar, or having borderline syndrome doesn't mean you're an expert in amputee in amputees. <laughs> because it's completely different it's probably pretty different <laughs> not being yeah. either bipolar or an amputee i'm thinking probably it's pretty different um some of the people on the on the one panel uh were experts in more than one area you know they're gay and they're uh of a minority skin color or something like that right um and so they could do most of them could do more than one but they, nobody could do everything but uh, the one guy who was not a sensitivity reader but a writer um, had, con- I guess, agreed to be on the panel uh, as an expert witness or whatever. Um, he uh, he had used one of the sensitivity readers, um, and he talked about that. And, and this is the part that got me thinking, wow, I never thought about that before. And it really sent me down uh, like a, a thinking chain that I, is not incumbent with the title sensitivity reader and what he said was you know i'm not uh transgender um but the person i'm consulting about my book 
is transgender. And when we did this, and that person was present, right, um, I found it immensely important to the book, so much so that the book wouldn't exist as it does without this person. And uh, he went on to say things basically making me think that this is, it's not collaboration, right? Because the other person isn't writing anything. They're just making suggestions and telling stories about uh, their life experience, right? Um, And that made me think about um, where I've seen this before, and that's with Elmore Leonard, you guys read any later Elmore Leonard novels? Like, not his no. uh, 70s and uh, 60s and 50s stuff, but his uh, 90s stuff? No. Okay. No, that's only some of the early ones. So, uh, I, I thought this was really cool at the time when I was reading, because I was a big Elmore Leonard fan. Um, and so, I was reading uh, all the interviews with him, and he had a bunch of you know, books still coming out, even though he was getting up there and he died shortly thereafter. Um, he had a professional researcher that he kept on staff that helped him write his books because he didn't know anything about uh, professional diving and he didn't know about this place in, uh, was it Kentucky or wherever it was set. Um, and so his professional researcher would go out there and find a whole bunch of interesting facts about this place and then would present them to him. And then Elmore Leonard would craft the story. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. He's, he's so good at writing. He has a professional researcher. (laughs) And then I read the book and I got to tell you, it's fucking sucked. (laughs) It really (laughs) sucked. It was such a step down from previous books. Like, the dialogue was the same. You know, it was awesome. But it just didn't work. Like, um, and there were, uh, you could see the hands of the researchers work in the book because all sorts of interesting facts. It was set in a, in a particular place, and you get that, which is really nice in Elmore Leonard. Um, and then you get uh, the particular setting was like, um, uh, Civil War reenactors, right? People who are Civil War reenactors have a, a whole culture of their own, right? They get out, get together on the weekends and dress up and, and reenact Civil War battles, right? And there's a special vocab word for, for people who don't do it right. They're called FARBS, F-A-R-B-S. And they'll, for example, they're wearing the, the gray or the blue uniform, but they're wearing modern underwear underneath. Or they bring a, a Zippo lighter to the battlefield. Those farbs, right? So this is a really interesting fact. But think about this. What's the difference between hanging out with those guys in, as a first-person person and then 20 years, 30 years down the road writing about your own life experience versus having your researcher do it for you, you know, a year before you look over at the sheet or spreadsheet of things that you're going to copy and uh, add to your story. And that's the difference is like Elmer Leonard books work because when you're reading them, they've got like a real sense of place, a real sense of dialogue, although it's stilted and artificial in 
all sorts of interesting ways. It, it, it's like, this is an awesome story. And it's because he knows the places and he knows the cultures. It comes from his own personal experience. So I was thinking like, this is actually, I think it, it's like why sensitivity readers are working is because people are writing about stuff they, they, they don't know anything about. And this allows them to do that. It's like a researcher magic wand that allows you to now be an expert on something that you're not an expert on. And like Wikipedia. I, it, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and what happens when you read Wikipedia is you get an inkling about something about something. But like I said, there's no Wikipedia entry for Eric Fennell. So I did a little research and would you be surprised to learn that Eric Fennell was disabled? I did not. I also did some research, but I did not uh, find. Uh, but I did not find that he was disabled. I only I found some, found that he was an American engineer before he became a writer. He was an engineer. I had no idea that he was disabled. He was an engineer apparently before yeah. he became a writer. An inventor. Um, so this is from an earlier issue of Planet Stories where um, he he had had to. Uh, uh, let me just make sure I got my page. Yeah, page ninety. Okay, so this is um, he's also on the cover of uh, of the fall nineteen forty seven issue of Planet Stories uh, with a story called "Beneath the Red World's Crust," and the cover is awesome, as we come to expect with Planet Stories. Right, um, you got a, a dude with a blaster and a dagger on his hip, um, holding a blonde uh, while a gi- giant horde of blue aliens with big yellow eyes are coming at him and there's a rocket ship in the background landing on this planet. There's also a vampire uh, bat or something coming at him. So it makes you want to read it, right? Uh, So he wrote this as a pre pre thing for his story called Beneath the Red World's Crust. Um, They call this a PS feature flash, PS being planet stories. Uh, here's the editorial introduction by the editor. Eric Fennell first hit us with his, uh, with the highly original atavism. That's the name of a story in the spring issue, but he's given us further honeys such as beneath the red world's crust in this issue. And you'd better keep an eye on him. And then this is what Eric Fennell wrote about himself during a childhood spent running barefoot around Hawaii. I developed prehensile toes. And ever since have had to listen to cracks about Darwin's theory being reversible. My wife, Eve, and our dachund, Lilith, hold long and earnest conversations about my shortcomings. The dog insists I must have been an antisocial problem child. I wasn't. But oh, I was an inventive little devil. Once, I built a gadget intended to scare birds out of the garden, a propeller that swung little metal weights against a large Chinese gong. It was d- dead calm in the afternoon I finished it. So disgustedly, I set it under my father's bedroom window and forgot it. The trade winds started at 2.47 a.m. Ouch. My kid's sister <laughs> kept invading my room, so I wired a Model T s- a spark coil to the doorknob. My mother <laughs> touched it first. Ouch again. Ouch. <laughs> Then there was a cute little deal involving molten lead and cold water. Double ouch. The explosion was just short of atomic, 
and I still carry the scars. Somehow I survived to tramp around half a dozen universities studying co-eds, engineering, co-eds, journalism, and co-eds, and to fly a termite-ridden Heath parasol that needed no running lights because the number four cylinder glowed red hot at the, all the time. Uh, Heath parasol is a uh, kit-built aircraft. So you can, it's a real airplane, but it's one you build yourself um, from the 30s, I think. I worked here and there as a truck driver, newspaper reporter, bootlegger's assistant, cameraman, payroll gun guard, teletype operator, gas pumper, machinist, and did my share of riding the rods. Uh, I'm not sure what he means by that. Riding the Wasn't rails. There a meme on Twitter recently about old actor bios, like you'd be an you know, <laughs> amateur boxer slash truck driver yeah. slash goat wrangler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, Jack, this is Jack London's story. Actor bios are often like this one. Yeah. I'm sad I didn't find it because I also did some research on Eric Fennell because he's, uh, first of all, he has a name with an opera singer and I think some kind of sports personality, so you have to filter yeah, those out. you do. Out, uh, and, uh, There's more. Uh, yeah. uh, got into structural steelwork and loved it, as I seem to have been born without a normal fear of heights. It promised... Uh, a short life expectancy, but good money and indescribable thrills. I followed the red iron from hell to breakfast, 600 feet above the ground and 400 feet below, and would be at it yet, except that one day there was a very nasty mess. When I got out of the hospital, I had a retread job in my skull and no stereoscopic vision. End of chapter. 4F readjustment i've had the writing bug ever since i can rem- uh, ever since i can remember that's why my wife accuses me of being of arrested development and i started reading science fiction in the old science and invention days that was hugo gernsback's uh, precursor to astounding uh we've spent the last four years in a house trailer eve is developing a frustration complex because she can't rearrange the built-in furniture without using an axe. And I'm still trying to devise a portable basement from my workshop, uh, for my workshop. Perhaps if I can acquire a couple of used oil wells and cut them into short lengths. Uh, <laughs> at present, I am engaged in some deep auto-hypnotic research into the permutations of the theory of perversity of inanimate objects. But it, if a few more editors will be astute as to as Mr. Payne, that's the editor at the time of Galaxy, uh, and recognize the sterling merit of my deathless prose, I may be able to become a credit to some community or other. And then he ends it with a uh, strange vocab word, which is Nichevo, N-I-C-H-E-V-O, which I looked up and is usually... It means think nothing or nowhere in Russian. Yes, it's Russian. Um, it's spelled differently sometimes in English, but it's kind of the Russian expression of, what can you do? Like, that's how it is. Um, so it's not like uh, a positive or a negative. It's just how it is. And Eric Fennell. So reading that makes you like the story more, right? Well, yeah, it does. Like the art more. The, the art? Yeah, in some ways, because the, uh, the art kind of... Uh kind of informs the story and, and and especially where we we see a disabled protagonist it kind it, it kind of brings to home what Eric's trying to do in this Oh, you're talking about image. the art of the writing, not the art of the illustration. 
Yes. Ah, yes. Yes. So makes I more sense. Yes, that makes more sense. Um, I agree with you, Paul. Um, and uh, it's interesting because uh, texts should stand on their own, right? But also, they um, don't. Yeah, but nothing. But nothing ever stands on its own. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, the whole thing should stand on its own is kind of a misnomer because nothing ever stands. Everything's connected to other things. There's not nothing is an island. Yeah, I agree. Um, it you know you give a kid Shakespeare and don't help him how to appreciate it. It's going to be harder. Because it's separated from it from 400 years, and it's pretty hard. Um, but I think the same works for this stuff. This is designed... I read another essay by him um, uh, from 1950. So um, uh, it was... I, I've got that here, if you care. But uh, basically, he's talking about utopianism. Uh, in, in uh, a, I read that as well. Oh, Nobody Wants it Utopia? It was from right? Uh, yes, it's uh, in no yeah, wants utopia science, from fan- fan science fantasy review winter 49 mm-hmm. 50 um, and that's it's it's fairly interesting um, he's talking about uh, utopias and he actually doesn't have a utopia in this but in this I was gonna say novel this short novel that we read um, but they think it's a utopia Um what what I, I want to ask you guys what you thought about the slave system they have, because it's different, right? It's kind of zombies, but also mind warp, mind brainwash them. And- yeah, 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 yeah. They, 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 yeah, they're basically mindless ones. Yeah, and I, I thought it was like they treat them right. They give them the pill, and then that makes them highly suggestible and. And that's and they've got a culture that's declined. They used to have roads, right? Uh, and we see that in the sequence. Well, the where, superiors had roads, right? All the right or the all the, the society. There were always two races. There was the superiors and uh, the telepaths, and Krasna is one of them, and her brother is another. And then there were these Puvas or Purvas, whatever their name was, uh, mm-hmm. more primitive people and some of them are mutants war the lover of margaret is one of these poor of us yeah. so they had a class society but the superiors were kind of uh, benevolent uh, overlords and were trying to uplift the poor of us and then those luvans showed up and invaded and messed everything up so uh, i it's hard to think of it as a utopia but um another way to look at it is hp uh, <laughs> lovecraft wrote with zelia bishop mostly lovecraft uh a story called The Mound, which is about a, a, a conquistador who goes into a, a, a hill and discovers a whole underworld that is kind of a utopia. But it's not a utopia for, for all the slaves, right? So um, with this Sasso religion and the closed world... He's actually done like a a lot of heavy lifting in terms of creating a a setting, um, and then he returns to it. Uh, uh, I say he, um, the uh, author insert returns to it at the end, right? Yeah, he, the last uh, word is yeah, literally whole... "I'm going home." Right. So he said, and he actually does think like, okay, Earth is actually a better place, and uh, now I have all this great knowledge I gained telepathically in the astral world. 
world, I can, um, and I have all these great scientific discoveries. I could be famous. I could get a Nobel mm-hmm. Prize. But yeah, on the other hand, I love Krasner and she is having my babies. Babies. My babies. So <laughs> I'm going, yes, she's having twins. So he's going home. home. And um, so he really, he knows it's not going to be easy and um because they still have to deal with the... And he's quite rude, like, oh, those mutant poors, we'll have to exterminate them. And I think, like, hey, honestly, you want to genocide these poor people just because they were mutated by the bad guys? Well... Yeah, uh, that, 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 that's, that's like, we should kill orcs because they were elves turned by Sauron sort of thinking. Yeah, the, okay, of course they're not human, and it's described as not, but it, it's still set a bit badly. With, but I, I found it interesting that he basically he says, like, okay, I can have everything... I want on Earth, and it's not utopia. Of course, Earth in 1947 was far from... The U.S. was probably as close to utopia in 1947, at least if you were white mm. and, ma- and male, as any place on Earth could be, considering what, uh, for example, most of what, most of Europe was basically in ruins in 1947. And they had an extremely... Well, was, I think, no, 1946-47, they had extremely dry and hot summers and extremely cold winters. Winter, so it was really a terrible situation. But he's situation. he's given himself a fantasy world where he gets his arm back, he gets his eyesight back. Yeah, he gets everything back, back, which is, uh, yeah, and then he chooses to go back into the fantasy. It's it, it it's helpful, like to understanding the story, and like it doesn't make all that middle stuff better, but mm-hmm. it makes it more tolerable. I don't know about making it more tolerable. It's it, it's a lump, Jesse. It's a real lump that really drives. There's some the there's some good stuff in the middle there. It's like I think the there there was a um, book we did called uh, um, At Vatabar. What was it called? The Goddess of At Vatabar. The Goddess of At Vatabar, and in that um, the which is kind of similar in that they have these mental powers, right? They create an island. And they populate it with buildings, and that happens in this too, right? He it also happens in the Lee Brackett story. Um, the, which one was it? The Moons that Vanished, I think. I think at any rate, it's in Lee Brackett. Also, someone can populate. Uh, it was a, it's a certain region on Venus where the moon of Venus, which Venus doesn't have, right, crashed right. into the into the misty seas. And uh, if you go there. Um, you get mental powers and can create everything, but the people basically um, are lost in their fantasy worlds and their bodies uh, just uh, shrivel and die and wither away. And the hero is the only guy who manages, who doesn't want to live because he's a suicidal drug addict after his uh, wife or girlfriend <laughs> died. But, um, and then he's uh, enlisted, he will try to go there, but never really got close enough, but he still has some of the powers and is enlisted to go back and lead to other people there, there who enter. In the end, he finds out that yes, he's fallen in love uh, in love with someone else, and uh, he can't even picture his. Whenever he tries to picture his girlfriend in this weird fantasy mist, mist he turns out to be uh, to be another woman, and then he grabs the other woman and escapes from this this wonderful fantasy world world to live in the real world. It's uh, this was quite a common theme at the time. I mm. think it might. Also it's also from the. It's from the it same is. era, probably the same year. I would have to look it up, but it's also from the. Late forties. I suppose this might be all. This might be due to um, World War Two, to people being traumatized, traumatized, uh, uh, there being injured war veterans about, about people maybe being drug addicted due to uh, having received morphine or opioids in the yeah. uh, well in hospital or something. Yeah, 
I, I want to point out that this, uh, he says, I'm 4F, right? Uh, that means right. he's not enlisted in the army. He's living in a, in a trailer home, right? Or a mobile home. Um, his wife is frustrated with her tiny kitchen. But his attitude is very positive in that little intro, right? The little bio he gives of himself. Uh, or at least it's not super negative. And that creation of of a world inside of the story where he mentally conjures up uh, roads and a, and a car. And I was just thinking about like how the gear, did he like figure out how the, the gear shift works? Because that's quite complicated, right? He's um, an engineer. He's an engineer, engineer right? Mid 20th century engineers knew everything. They did. And they, you can tell by, you know, all the inventions he's making as a kid um, that he's working on all this stuff. So it's all very possible, but also, that fantastic power is the power to be a writer for planet stories, right? He can conjure up a whole world. Now, so we say, well, you know, that that middle bit is kind of bad. <laughs> um, uh, but, and it is, but I think that is a product of it being a longer piece for a magazine that does crank out a lot of pulp. And so most most stories are not like as good as even black Amazon of Mars. Right. Um, this is not going to be one that's remembered for the it's ages. It's not a classic. It's not a classic. No one's, no one's looking to snap up the IP on this work and turn it into a, I think it'd make a pretty good cartoon. Amazon you just series. need to, you know, click it together in a few interesting ways. Um, it would, it sounds like as, Actually, the thing it most reminded me of was actually the Shira cartoon from the 1980s. Yeah, also yeah. the modern version. It's, it's basically Shira. It's a similar setup where we have a planet besieged by aliens, mm-hmm. aliens who mutate the locals and enslave them. They drain them of energy. All this happens quite politely done. There are comic versions where it's quite harsher, harsher but the, the cartoon is quite politely. They drain them. Then we have uh, rebels led by a brave woman who was enslaved by the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Guys, they are promised twins. It is basically, um, actually, there's even, um, because the Shira bad guy, Hordak, is, has only one arm. There you go. One arm. The other arm is all sorts of weird, uh, weird um, implements, mostly a right. cannon or something. So right. This is basically, this it sounds like the Shira cartoon. And I kept wondering, like, did the Shira writers... Uh, Writers read this chance to read the story for some reason in the 1940s. I mean, it's not impossible. They would no, it's not. Teenagers are children then. <laughs> what, what's fo- so funny is that that's why you can't read anything out of context is because everything is in a context, right? Everything. Think of all the Shakespeare plays that are just historical pieces, right? But all the ones that aren't are also historical pieces in a certain sense. This, this uh, medium, the pulp medium... I mean, Star Wars doesn't exist without it, right? And you say, well, well, what about the film? Yeah. Well, those are happening at the same time, and they're going back and forth, right? Buck Rogers is uh, both a comic, uh, not a comic, it's a comic too. It's both a uh, fiction piece and a film film serial. And then all of these things. And they're all sort of working together. And then there's some that sort of float to the surface and, are remembered and then there's lots of other ones that inform so indiana jones isn't a story i've you know can't imagine how much time i've gone back spend looking for the literary roots of indiana jones they do not exist as one thing it's not one story some guy wrote in the 30s 
There's it's lots. All over the place. Yes, it's drawn from many sources, and once you and start it's drawn from the feel, right? Like, yes, it's the vibes. The vibes. Indiana Jones is about like, a, a smell and a and a and a an aesthetic. Yeah. And it's mostly cereals. From old cereals. Yes. Some of the scenes, for example, the one with the in Temple of Doom, the, the scene on the the suspension bridge that is directly copied, I think, from an old uh, Neoka girl from the jungle. We have an expression for it: cliffhanger, find. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite literally. Quite literally, and and the thing is, is those are in uh, so many cereals are inspired by fiction that was written in magazines. And then they people see the films, and then they go back and they they are inspired by that. And then you wait thirty years for those kids to grow up. They make films, and then now everybody's making you know more Star Wars films, but they're not inspired by the original sources. They're like the they're inspired by Star Wars. Yes, they're inspired yeah, by they're earlier inspired Star Wars. at all. <laughs> I haven't seen the new Andor series, so maybe you can tell. Andor's me. good. I, no, okay, I Andor's is notably either. good. All right. I've seen one episode. It's definitely different than most of the Star Wars out there. It's much more. Here's what's happening way out from anything you've seen, sort of thing. I mean, I mean, he's a guy on a planet trying to find his sister and getting getting in trouble with the law. It, but there's but there's no signs of uh, stormtroopers or anything else. But yeah, the bad guys aren't stormtroopers. They're basically alien. mall cops. Mall cops, damn. They're, they're the hardest corporate mall cops. I bet they're good at shooting the, the, the too. Corporate, the corporate security, but the but the uh, but the main antagonist is kind of like a Javert. He's been told, "Don't go after this. Just let's forget about this." And he still wants to go after, try to find the murderer who is Andor. Spoiler. So, oh, I can't it, watch it now. Damn it. I, 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 I did a <sighs> You wrecked it, Paul. <laughs> Very funny, Jesse. So, well, I've only seen the one episode. I don't know how this plays out. But, yeah, so it's definitely... I it doesn't end well for the... I haven't watched this one character. at all. It's probably... Uh, I will probably watch it eventually, but... Uh, it's just there's too much content. There's too much out there. There right is. Now. Yes, that, that, that and is that's way too problem. much. And way that's too much why... Good stuff and you can't watch them all. All and uh, you can't you can't watch them all, let alone. I don't. I don't. I don't know that you're right about that, Cora. You're saying there's way too much good stuff. I don't know that. Yeah. What I can tell there's you way is too much stuff. There's way too much stuff, too much and it's stuff, very yes. hard Not to all know. Of it is good, but you it's, don't know until you watch it. Yeah, it's very, very. This is our main problem today. It's very hard to know if anything is good because everything's lying to you all the time, right? Uh, all the websites that. You know, Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, they're all being gamed. And I don't have advertising, so I don't see the commercials for these things generally. I I see, you know, people mention things in Twitter threads, but a lot of them are bots. A lot of them are ads, right? So well, uh, I am increasingly... I, don't, I say the, the, I tell the truth, but I can't simply can't watch this way too much. Right. I, to so I'm increasingly I'm, I'm, required I'm totally to ask... Out. Yeah, but it just even I mean, skip all the skip. I rotten tomatoes and be just like the, the the things that my my friends and acquaintances talk about the the variety of things that they like. I mean, I go by that like oh, one likes this and one likes that, one likes the other thing. And have you seen this? And just by that alone, there's a lot out there that I can never catch up to. Because yes, my my friends' interests are. 20,000 places, it's like, I can't watch all of that. What am I gonna, no. How do I pick? 
No, no it's, you, you hear too way, way too many things with people, with actual people you trust, say, are good yeah, or exactly. not all of them uh, have your, have the same taste. But, exactly, um, that's lot also a problem. Which have, which at any rate are recommended by real people, which are not by bots. And I don't care about IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes. I don't even, I look at IMDb, but for the, but for casting data and so on. And, and I, I, I read the reviews, data. but uh, it, I you, have to, you have to dig, reviews. you have to dig to get to those. So yeah. some people still write good reviews, big, long reviews. Mostly that's, you know, not what we get. Most but. Consumer reviews. The reviews are mostly, at least at those big sites, Rotten Tomatoes, Amazon, Goodreads. The consumer reviews are mostly... Are no, mostly IMDb has good reviews. Not a lot of them, but them. it does. You have to I dig, though. Them. There are some good ones, but you don't... But they're um, drowned out in a lot of... So I mostly they are. ignore those reviews. reviews well, and, uh, it works better on older films as well, rather than newer stuff, but... Uh, yeah, the, right, the latest thing always has... Uh, it's always a culture war fight. Like, no it, is. What it is. Yeah, yeah it's about always it, a culture. Oh, this is gone rogue. There's a black person in there. Who cares? That's a person. Well, that's more oh, that's more Rotten Tomatoes than IMDb, but it, it does happen as well. I, yeah, I, it's, but it's more Goodreads than Rotten Tomatoes. For example, really, there's a new show called uh, American Gigolo. Um, this stars the the second lead character from the original Walking Dead. You know, yeah. he was the and, second uh, the cop. He was the Punisher. Yeah, he's the Punisher, right? So <laughs> I, I like I like that actor. He was good. Um, I, I remember the movie American Gigolo. I don't know how they could turn it into a series. It's getting high ratings. How can I know if it's good? I don't know. I, I, usually, like I can look at the producers, but there's too many producers now. You can't keep track, right? Um, uh, you could look at the writer. I don't know who the writer is. I have to dig into that. What I really need is somebody to say, Jesse, you know, uh, American Gigolo, they're turning it into a show, and it's exactly what you're interested in. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and then they tell me something that I'm actually interested. It's got lots of airships, Jesse. Oh, damn. I never expected that. <laughs> American Gigolo won't have airships. Well, I see, I know well that now I'm not going to There's a strike against well, it there. Because it um, shows, uh, because I, I run the two link roundups for the speculative fiction showcase mm-hmm. and the indie crime scene, and American Gigolo went into the because uh, a lot of these bread and butter police cop procedural crime dramas never get reviews. No one talks about those things, mm. so I wind up with true crime stuff and also edge cases like American Gigolo. So I've seen reviews of it. I may even have seen a trailer, but um, I know it's not for me because I don't care for the original movie and while I like the. End. No, no Burntall, John Burntall, I don't quite know. Well, you need somebody to watch it and tell you to watch it if it's good. (laughs) Yeah, you need somebody to tell. Like, I had heard about Primal for a long time, this cartoon dinosaur show, right? Mm -hmm. And I had heard it about it in the periphery, especially with a lot of conservative Twitter. No one talks about it. Nobody talks about it. Very few people talk about Primal. I got Uh, it from a pal who's similar taste, uh, you know, does any one of you know the Rogues in the House podcast? No. Uh, it's a sort and sorcery media type podcast. And oh, okay. one of the hosts is Matt John, and we're sort of uh, we're we're sort of we're pals, and uh, he uh, and we're both we both like Masters of the Universe, and he was a huge fan of Primal, and because I know that Matt and I like a lot of the same things, I gave it a shot, and was like, "Wow, this is great!" It why is did, great. Why did no one ever mention this before? 
And, and that's our, our serious problem. So we all did an experiment today doing uh, our book and the <laughs> Black Priestess of Varda, who um, I, I, I was like, I, I got too deep into the story before I was like, oh, yeah, finally, the Black Priestess of Varda. This is not the ideal story for people to start their Pulp Fiction ex- experience with. Right, good. Go to Robert E. Howard first. Right, then yeah. when you exhausted Please. a lot of Robert E. Howard, um, you know there's some Lee Brackets and there's some Ray Bradburys and there's some other people who, you C. know, C.L. Moore's and I. I don't think of H.P. Lovecraft as a pulp writer because he just happened to be pub- published <laughs> in the pulps. But there's a lot of people who wrote s- the stuff that is pulp, um, in in the quality that's much higher quality. But this isn't that bad. It's it's, uh, it's not great. Uh, the middle uh, not good. But I've read much worse. Uh, that um, uh, Air- Werewild of the Crystal Crypt by Gardner F. Fox is a lot worse than this. <laughs> and that's also a cover this story. This confirms my, uh, my impression of Planet Stories. Planet Stories gets a... And actually, I found one of the, I found a fancy article from 1955 by Eric Fennell, mm-hmm. where he uh, says, like, basically, oh, they all look down at Planet Stories, but uh, they all read it anyway, because my, um, and uh, because uh, actually a bad story in Astounding, and there were a lot of bad stories in Astounding. Most yeah. of them just haven't been printed, so we've forgotten them, thankfully. But a bad story in Astounding science fiction is unreadable. Readable. A bad story in Astounding is, is unreadable. A bad story or a mediocre story in Planet Stories is at the very least entertaining. This one was yeah, entertaining. generally. High art. And that doesn't so this drag. Is basically, this is, this is a mid-level, mid mid-to-low-level mid Planet Stories. It's not top Planet Stories. We have much better stories in Planet Stories, but it's... But it's you could see how... You could see how, you like... Won't, yeah, you won't be bored. And similar is Weird Tales. Uh, mediocre or bad Weird... Uh, don't, I haven't read a lot of bad Weird Tales... But the mediocre ve- ve- weird tale stories is also, at the very least, it's entertaining. It's well, Ghost it's uh, ent- Ghost which table. is why weird tales and planet <laughs> stories are actually the strongest. Some of the strongest uh, pulps, at least they're the most consistent. Yes, Astounding has some very, very good stories, unknown too, but they also have a lot of dross. Yes, and planet stories, even the not so great ones, are usually uh, at the very least entertaining. Well, I think it's because planet stories targeted, you know, fun adventure, fast pace, like that was. That was the right? That was the remit. But that's yeah, also it, ca- kind of what we got here, right? It was a little. Yeah, we did. We we got a, like a little slower pace in the middle, but it was only three three and a half hours, something like that. Right. Yeah, but a mediocre, you know, adventure story with lots of action is always going to be readable, you know, even if it's not great. But a mediocre, you know, someone who's trying to do a really intellectual, like what if what if the speed of light you know, the changed by 3%. How would that affect the universe? Mm, like, mm. That can yeah, be like, really boring. That's what bad yeah. um, astounding often looks like. It's like a bad techno, bad techno babble, which often <laughs> doesn't make any scientific sense. I mean, the bounce chartless in this one also make no sense. They don't. Yeah. It's just, uh, nonsense, so, but it's the nonsense which gets the story going. going. And um, the nonsense in, in astounding, it's like two or three pages of techno Babble nonsense depends on who the author. Some of them are good, but if you have to, but with A E fan folk, it's often like like okay, it's just three pages of techno babble. Just skip over this. this yeah, then, it's oh, almost this, skippable. The babble was actually relevant to the story. <laughs> but here, here, here's what I want to think: is like 
if your assignment was to fix this story, it wouldn't be to make it longer, right? <laughs> it would be to make it shorter. No. And the way you would do that probably is uh, spend a lot less time recovering and pretending to be uh, like that should all be a montage, right? <laughs> Three months later, right? Or whatever's. Um, and, you know, some of the drama, which I think this has. Uh, I would cut that out too, and I think like you just go with the the fun opening or interesting opening, I would say, um, and then the when he is on the world, you have him lay around a little less. <laughs> yeah, I would honestly we, we spend more yeah. time with the bad guys. Yes, yeah. yes. Victor and uh, what's her name, the the, the girlfriend is. Yeah. I Margaret, would rather see Margaret. like the Margaret the is a lot running. of fun. She's a bad girl, but she's a lot of fun. She's a very, very villainous. I would like more from Victor's point of view. Yeah, yeah Victor, Victor is... basically doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. That, that's, he that's, sort that's of he has a he's he's a he's not. He, I don't see. Does he even get a point of view at all? I don't think no, he, he has. doesn't. That's that's the, that's the thing. I mean, he he, he kind of, he kind of is Margaret's cat's paw. I guess is the right word. Yeah. I mean, he, he tries to break free of that in getting with Sin. Yeah, but it's the same thing. He's a, he's a, he turns from Margaret's boy toy to Sin's boy toy. Yes. What do we I think mean, about these names? Sin and War. Yeah. <laughs> subtle. They're very subtle. <laughs> it's kind of hitting Planet a little Planet Story does not have, uh, have, um, does not have a monopoly on shit and crappy ways. <laughs> I don't know if it's. I don't. I don't know if it's crappy. It's just like on the nose, like yeah, uh, very on the nose. But I mean, um, astounding published a story, a story where the bad guys, uh, where the bad guys were called exes and allies, the good guys and the bad guys, only uh, written in reverse. Right. This is about uh, this, and uh, that was uh, the top top magazine. So. Uh, what do, what do we make? Magazine. So there's Margaret, and I think her last name is Matson. Um, there's Sasso, <laughs> which is a funny yeah, name. Sasso sounds Sasso like a, um, like a kind of um, fa- like a fad dance, like a fad dance from the from the 1950s where uh, you had the Vatusi and so on. This sounds like we're doing the Sasso now. We're yeah. doing the magic pages of Vatusi. This is what it sounds like. And war this is spelled like a Zulu-like entity. War is spelt W O R, but it, you know, sin is spelt S I N. In the video game Wizard of War. Okay, I don't know that I've one. Never played. I know. No, I played it. It, oh. it, it, it was it was an action video game in the eighties. All right. When I was reading it, I was kind of imagining it was pronounced like war. It is war. <laughs> war is military tunic. It's not just war. It's war. War. He's basically war. he's basically a kind of um, yeah. He's he's the way people think Conan is, only that he really isn't that way. He's a terrible Conan. Yeah. But he's a bad. He's a really bad Conan. He's a really Clonin, bad Conan. Yeah. So, so um, we need to fix him too in a rewrite. I don't. I don't know. Um, what, what about um, uh, Faith is capitalized Elvedon. So he's Elden, which is a relatively unusual name in you know North America. But Elvedon turns him into an elf, right? Yeah. Um, and so this is like a this is like a pocket universe where he goes to visit the fairy worlds, and he. Uh, 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 what's so strange? But this was pre Lord of the Rings, so after oh, yeah, yeah. the Hobbit. 
Yeah, well, but this is, you know, uh, there's the elf trap by Francis Stevens, so this is not something... um, I mean, there's all the stuff that Tolkien was referencing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. no, there's definitely... Yeah, there's definitely yeah, is, uh, a tradition. Known, yes. It's slipping he, into. He would have probably known the, the folklore. Yeah, and even even um, uh, Weinbaum has a you know slipping into an elf world, uh, even if it's uh, VR, right? So, uh, what's so interesting to me is when I think of planet stories, I always think there's a rocket ship that go to a planet. Here, there's no rocket ship. It is a portal fantasy, right? He accidentally drops a bar on whatever a bound charge is, uh, and it transports them to a a world, right? And then he deliberately does it again. But but within that portal world, what do they call it? The closed worlds for his world or something like that, and uh, thin world for their world? They have their own portal, which is uh, they're trying to open, like Cthulhu worshippers or something, right? Uh, Or or like or like Night in the Lonesome October openers and closers. I haven't read that one yet, but uh, it's coming up. You're going to in a few weeks, right? I just got the paperback um, yesterday. No, yes, yesterday it was delivered yesterday. (laughs) Excellent. So. The uh, lavender liquid. What is that? Because <laughs> I want to see it as a cartoon. Because I think seeing that sloshing, some kind of acid, some kind of yeah, acid that dissolves kind of, people. Right. It, 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 yeah, it, but it also like absorbs their energy. Right. right. Yeah. Transforms right. To them into palatable for Sasso alien food. Absorb. Yes. And then, and then the worshippers get it from Sasso as like secondhand energy. It's a very convoluted system of getting well, energy as a as a priestess. You. Put the person in the liquid, they dissolve, it goes to Sasso, and then some of it comes back to you. Uh, yeah. I think it is, but it is sort of re- this better. No, but it's sort of re- it's sort of like the transmutation, also, um, right? Also, has sex with a Leuven. Did yes. you forget that one? The priestess oh, forgot, has sex yes. with a Leuven. My apologies. Uh, yes. It's also a sex cult of sorts. <laughs> yes. Uh, All I, the best cults are sex cults. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read this little section here. This is on page 21. Uh, For something in nature of the Leuvens had caused their superiors' radiation-type power weapons to backfire whenever used near them. And with horror, the superiors, this is capitalized, had discovered that no matter how cut or bullet punctured, the gross gray bodies of the Leuvens repaired themselves within hours. They utterly refused to remain dead. Most of the superiors had been destroyed uh, had been destroyed during the first few months. The survivors had been forced to scatter, taking to the forest. Then the Leuvens, lacking sufficient converts to establish an effective cell of their faith, capital F, and unable to corrupt more of the superiors, capital S, had deliberately caused mutations to take place among the savage Puvas, breeding individuals more suited to their plans. The mutants were intelligent, but they lacked some of their superior's telepathic ability. Eldon added up what he had read. Krasna was obviously one of the surviving superiors. The hunted folk, whose coordinated thoughts and mental powers held Varda against the faith of Sasso. He remembered the lighted walls and other devices without manual controls. Evidently, th- evidently thought evidently thought was a tangible force here in Varda. Anxiously, he awaited Krasna's return. One question uppermost in his mind. So part of me is thinking this is the fantasy. I assumed that the narrator 
was a stand-in for the author. Because you don't put a disabled character up front, you know, uh, a guy with one arm up front for the whole story. He never gets his arm back until the end, right? No, he got it back he in the middle and cut it off again. But what I'm saying is, he doesn't. He doesn't get to have one, right? Like on the cover, he's a two-armed man. In the story, he's a one-armed man. He gets it back, yes, but he also gets more cut, uh, more things cut off. Um, the the uh, idea of of this guy, he's he's uh, reading a lot of stuff about this world, and then he's sort of creating a world where all you have to do to to make things happen, you don't have to flip a light switch, you just will the wall to light, right? It's it, it is almost like a wish fulfillment fantasy world, but it's not done like. Wouldn't it be great if I had superpowers? It'd be more like. Isn't this interesting? And then, hey, I choose to live in that uh, idea of interesting. It, it makes me think about that uh, interview thing. But also, um, yeah, it does have, maybe we have to genocide these uh, monsters. Um, but also we have the little lemur guy. And he can do telepathy too. So it's like, it's bad. <laughs> it's got some weak stuff in it. Weak. But it's not that bad. You know what we haven't discussed yet? What's that? We haven't discussed the connection between this and a famous fantasy series that I don't like. I don't know if Cora's read it or Alex has read it. I'm pretty sure you haven't read it, Jesse. And that would be Stephen Donaldson's Thomas Covenant. I have not read that, but um, I I read other stuff by Stephen Donaldson, but not that. Um, Cor- I bailed. Uh, I bailed after you know which scene in the first yeah, one. Yeah, I, I persevered <laughs> to the rest of that book and then said, "No, I'm done." I, ba- I bailed Alex? after that scene, right. which is. Did you say it Thomas was Covenant? Like, okay, he yeah. even stole it from of one of Covenant? the Tristan yeah, and Isolde variations, where the same thing happens to Isolde, only with there's a lot more more leapers, and uh, was like, "Okay, no, I don't like it in Tristan and Isolde." And I don't certainly don't I don't, don't want this here, and I don't want the. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, uh, Hugo Hugo winner Cora Bueller is very popular. I guess my mother was a big fan of Thomas Covenant. Well, what's the what's this scene that Paul and Cora don't like? Uh, he raped somebody. Okay, uh, but, but, but because he goes through this because Thomas Covenant has leprosy, he's disabled in that regard. Right, I, I remember and he, that. And he's also a very sad sack. He gets transported to a fantasy realm where, thanks to the white gold wedding ring he has, he has the potential for enormous power. Although he spends most of the book not using it, which even though the world is probably going to end in seven years if nothing happens because Drew Walkerman has found a staff that will unconquer the world, and Drew Walkerman is even just a pawn of the big, big bad who's going to conquer the world in 49 years if you, even if you stop Drew Walkerman in seven years. Anyway, early on, now that he's got all his faculty back, um, Thomas Covenant loses control and rapes somebody. Okay. And it turns into a very weird sort of relationship, and his daughter shows up, and it's... it's his rape good. daughter? Yes, his rape daughter shows okay. up. Okay, all right. So yeah, that so that's why Cora bailed in after the first book because like I don't need to read this anymore. I have too much other fantasy to read and never touched it again. But the whole idea of a disabled protagonist in a fa- in a fantasy realm, but it, but Thomas Covenant spends most of the book saying, "Oh, this is not real. It's not real. Not real." 
I'm I'm imagining things. This is not real. It's it, it is I'm absolutely it was absolutely annoying to me that he spends half the book just denying the evidence in front of his own eyes. Mm. He's not just a rapist, he's also a whiner. <laughs> yes, he's also a whiner. Thank he's you a terrible character. He's extremely unlikable. He's, I wouldn't say terrible because it's not badly written, but it's just extremely no, it's unlikable. That's, that's the hell of it. It's well written. It's interesting. It's a well written, but a written book with a terribly annoying protagonist. The, the series... That's why he ends up raping the girl, right? Is he doesn't think any of it's real. Right. Yeah. He's like, this is just a dream. I can do whatever I want. But he also, but he also her. loses control. Of his of his power and his abilities, so it, it's kind it, which kind of half in his own mind half excuses the whole thing because he wasn't in control of his whole faculties, which is kind of bullshit, in my opinion. Um, but you know, the series that I read by him is uh, I, it's called the Gap series, I think, and the first one's called the Gap into Conflict. And oh, that's a science fiction. Yes. Yeah. What's interesting about it is it it's kind of similar. There's uh. Uh, it's it's much more like space opera. We've got r- uh, galactic patrol sort of thing, and they have blink drives or whatever it is. Um, but uh, the I think the first story is subtitled "The Real Story," and it's about how a police captain ends up a slave to a asteroid miner, basically, and uh, he's got. One of the one of the premises is uh, whenever you go through hyperspace, uh, there's a percentage chance you roll a D100, I guess, and if you get a 99 or 100, you go insane. So they have on board every ship a device that can turn people into zombies, uh, which you can control with like a remote control. It's like a brain implant. Um, and he does that, to the, the bad guy, the bad guy, who's also the viewpoint character, um, uh, does that to, a police woman. And she, I believe is raped in there as well. Um, what's interesting is he's not supposed to be the hero, but it also has a rape scene, which is interesting. Um, uh, it was uh, very gritty, is what I re- remember from it. Is like raw and uh, also well told. So um, I don't think I, I never read Thomas Covenant because I'm I'm not as big into fantasy as most. But uh, I'd heard about it, so that's interesting. What what I basically am thinking is that you can sort of see uh, when people are writing their own stuff. Um, and not, you know, incorporating other people's researches into their, or life experiences into their writing, you can sort of see a lot about what they're thinking about, because writing is thinking. And uh, I think we got, you know, a pretty clear idea what Eric Fennell's about. And I'm not against reading more of his stuff, but I, I don't expect high... High heights. He's not a Robert E. Howard, uh, raw power, amazing. You know, you know, just can write up. He's a not a. He's not a forgotten gem. He's not a not a forgotten gem. At least not based on the story. No, but I wouldn't say he's garbage either. Um, no, he's he's perfectly serviceable, but um, yeah, Gardner F. Fox wrote a lot worse stuff. <laughs> but he also wrote a lot more. Um, in this, uh, both, I think in this uh, essay from um, the Science Fantasy Review, review where he mentioned, he mm-hmm. talked about um, 
about a minority marginalized protagonist that he has right. such stories have problems selling. He says he, he yes. tries to sell a story. I did one with a Chinese um, Hawaiian person. Uh, a Chinese a, Filipino. He was from Hawaiian. Yeah. He was from Hawaii. So um, that would have been probably been based I don't don't think if the, uh, I don't know I if doubt he was Eric Fennell was color, Chinese not. Filipino. He yeah, he's probably but, not. Um, but based on his if that's his real name. He knew a lot of them, I'm sure. Uh, there's a lot of mixed race people in Hawaii, right? And yeah, we don't know what he. We don't have any but, photos or anything. But, but that him. experience so, is his experience, right? Him knowing people like that could have been his best friend, right? Yeah, he he knew he would have known. And what known he says about it in that essay in is that it's a story that didn't sell or hasn't sold yet. Yeah, and um, he thinks he doesn't blame that on readers. He blames that on. The gatekeepers of editors yeah, who are editors. who are worried about what their readers think, which is yeah, interesting. He's, he's blaming it on the editor, and actually, That's right. also tracks with what we hear from other, what we see from other. I mean, Robert E. Howard clearly wanted to write um, stronger, wa- more warrior woman protagonists, but mm-hmm. uh, he had to write the, the, the leg clingers. Uh, they don't actually cling to legs, but <laughs> sort of these leg clingers, clingers because those those half naked leg clingers were what. Uh, were easier to sell. He did, and he he actually started um, characters like Valeria only show up uh, up and Dark Ag- and of course Dark Agnes did not sell. Right. Sell, but and Valeria only shows up uh, up after Zero of Glory. So he so he apparently realized like okay, uh, and he should have realized before because um, that um, France was right was willing to buy that sort of thing. Mm. Whereas uh, whereas other editors of the more of the adventure and so on were not willing to buy it. Mm-hmm. I think part of it also is as he got a little older. I mean, he never got really old, obviously, but as he got a little yeah. older, he had a reputation, and he could just be like, "Hey, I wrote a story," and he's much more likely to have someone buy it. Like, "Oh, yeah. it's a Howard story. I'll buy yeah, it." And he could experiment. It would have been easier it. to buy than than early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I found this bit about really interesting about uh, that he had problems selling the story with a non-white protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, protagonist and um, he did slip a disabled protagonist uh, or get a disabled protagonist into a science fiction magazine yep. at the time when this was really, I mean um, have you read uh, The Ship Who Sang by yeah, by that's a great um, story. Yeah. the original it's, yeah, short story from the 60s yeah. and it's uh, and uh, I remember reading this as a teenager in the 80s and the this and the ableism was horrifying because basically all oh, those disabled kids will have a terrible life will just uh, we just stuff them into a ship as a brain. We just basically use them as a disembodied brain of a for a spaceship. Then at least they're good for something. And this was written around the time when the children who were born born disabled after their, their mothers. But took, it does uh, make them powerful. The right? might, might, this was born. This was written around the time that this scandal was in mm-hmm. the news. So uh, someone who knew who who knows or knew people who were. Who were disabled due to thalidomide, or thalidomide uh, is an English name. I know it's Contagan, which is, was a German yeah. trade name. Yeah, but um, but I knew people who were disabled to, due to this because um, they're still around now, and they were quite they were not uncommon when I was a when I was a kid. So I was absolutely horrified. And uh, that story is um, fifteen to twenty years after this one. So this story is yes, okay, he gets medically healed at the end, but um, he's disabled for most of it, and mm-hmm. he, he's no. Not less of a man because he's disabled. <laughs> he does lie around a lot, but a lot of that is just to hide his his superpower, right? So <laughs> yeah, he does lie around to hide his. And in the end, he actually plays on the fact that everybody thinks he's just disabled mm-hmm. and his mind is broken. 
broken that they don't take him seriously in the end he plays on it and Krasner of course also <laughs> originally doesn't really take it seriously it's like oh yeah you're not Elvin about um, I'll keep I'll sort of keep you like my like I keep my limb or pet <laughs> so the, the cover does not um, participate in leg cling there's uh, you know other stuff going on. Um, the whips is very common. Um, as we pointed out, there is another cover with the, by uh, Alan Anderson with <laughs> her holding a, a chain whip, right? Um, yeah. But it also participate. It does participate in the brass brazier uh, hashtag. Um, and <laughs> I note that in the um, the last illustration in the story. It's a little hard to see, but she's still wearing it. I don't think it's actually mentioned in the story that she's wearing a brass brassiere. So I think it's just assumed. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess we're going to have to assume. There are ropes and there are clinging gowns and, ro- and right. ropes. And uh, yeah, and Krasner tends to just undress in front of Ellen all the time. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of nudity in here too, right? It's, there's a lot of nudity and actually a lot of sex. Uh, as yeah. a, I mean, it's it's kind of uh, it's euphemistic. Like, they emerge, going to bed with war. Mean, uh, a lot of disabled they sex. sex. <laughs> they have sex orgy. This is this weird uh, weird counting has sex orgies. Mm-hmm. Orgies to bring Sasso through. They have a sex orgy. Sin has sex with this uh, Lumen thing. This Lumen Golem Lolevin like thing. Mm-hmm. Thing. So this is yes, it's remarkably horny for a nineteen forties story. Even well, then, the story yeah, they were pretty horny. They were always pretty horny, but uh, it's but, it's, yeah. it's a more explicit, explicit. I think, yes. explicit. Yes, it's more explicit. Planet stories. Um, Maybe that's even less horny when it's some, explicit. Some sexual content. Planet stories and weird tales were allow did allow for some sexual content. Content, but even that was euphemistic. It's not spicy level, and even spices are, by modern standards, more weird than anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I want at some point I want to do a um, Shutter Pulp story, and I've read one. Um, it was pretty bad, but also it was really funny. Um, so I, I need to find like the ultimate Shutter Pulp to get, and then get somebody to narrate it. Um, I will definitely, I would definitely be up for a discussion of one of those because yeah, I find yeah. the covers, absolutely, the covers and the titles fascinating. And yes, I know the, the story premises are. are they're they're basically they're Lovecraft uh, plus a lot of sex and humiliation and racism, which is all but pretty hard weird. To find, I mean, they're <laughs> yes, not, like, people went back and transcribed Weird Tales, right? Yes, like every issue of Weird Tales has been scanned and is uploaded. You yes, can go through it. Yeah, no but one you can't find Dime Mystery or let alone. I've got a few. We've, we've got a few scans. stuff and Dime Mystery and so on are not easy to find. They're and not easy. They're not, they didn't sell well. There weren't the, a lot of issues purchased. And yeah. So now they're very expensive, and so no one's tearing them apart to scan them. Yeah. yeah. No so. one. Yeah, that's also they're, they're pricey because a lot of them were thrown away, and they have these absolutely gorgeous. The covers are wonderful. Some but of, I mean, some I'm of the, a lot of the spiders, and the, because most of them are available, and the spiders um, go a bit toward shutter pulp, but they're also well, the series characters not so interesting, look, I think. Yeah, but but, but they, they they look a lot more. But the little stuff usually is in the story, which is on the cover. But what we <laughs> yeah. need to do is like, I'd love to do some terror tales or some yeah or, yeah. So yeah, E. Hop and Price wrote quite a bit for for the shutters. Um, he was willing to 
lower himself or get paid or whatever. Um, but I don't find him to be, I haven't read that much by him, so I don't find him to be amazing. But there must be something. There must be something in there. You know, the pinnacle of the Shattered Pulp uh, story. So I'm going to do some more research on that. I'm I'm glad I read this, even though it is not uh, anywhere the best, uh, you know, Planet Story story I've ever read. Um, it was still fun. And uh, I, I do like the beginning. I like the end. I like some of the stuff in the middle. And it's unique. It's got a disabled protagonist and uh, a little lemur thing and whips <laughs> and brass bras just jesse jesse are you revealing something about La- lavender like- lavender acid yes well i'm revealing i want netflix to make it or someone else hbo max no they don't do this is do cartoons i want someone to make this as a sort of adult how about that, show. that so primal guy do- Primal guy. Yeah, the, the, the Primal guy. Tarkovsky, yeah. I don't know his name, but he's great. Or yeah. maybe the people who did uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation. Revelation, um, yeah. who did the animation. They would be, uh, they would also, I would like to see this as a, with a, I mean, they can even have the psychedelic middle. If it's animated, it will be cool. So, yes, this or, is what I would like to see this as a sort of cartoon. How about, um, not a series, but like, uh, they just call it Planet Stories, the series, and then they just yeah, pick a bunch of stories and adapt it. Actually. Right? Then we could get Black Amazon of Mars or one of the other Al John Starks and yeah. some of the brackets. Bracket, some of the Bradburys. Uh, that would be actually a great. That would actually be a great idea. Just and as a cartoon, animate them because animated, uh, yeah. the stuff uh, will just look weird if they, they do it live action. Either you have to do it in the pulps in the pulpsters, and you get something like John Carter or the Flash Gordon movie from the nine, early eighties, which are fi- which are both fine movies, but um, it doesn't really float anymore today because it looks weird. But if you animate it, then you can also have brass. Brass, brass, and everything, yep. and all those kind of. At that lips. point, you're you're doing heavy metal. Uh, it is. Yeah, a, okay, but well, yeah. heavy metal's more science science fictiony than uh, I don't know. It's almost techno thriller science fictiony compared to this, though. This is yeah. this is uh, it's I don't know. It, this is much more Rocketeer, you know. Yes, I love the Rocketeer. Uh, why why aren't we having more Rocketeer? Uh, and I'm not saying more literal Rocketeer, just more like the Rocketeer, you know. I, I watched Retro it in the theater at the time. It was a great movie, but for some reason Terrific it was a complete um, it was a, was a complete uh, bomb at least in the US. I don't think I'm, it was that. I don't know. It was, was big in my from that time from that time and place. The Rocketeer, the Phantom, um, the Shadow, the Shadow. Yeah, there, there's a bunch of them that came out in the but, 90s and but the, the Rocketeer. Also, the Rocketeer's movie only really really good. That Shadow so they were all Batman. Really it was, yeah, I enjoyed Tim Burton's Batman came out, and people went, "We can do this kind of." You know, 30s, 40s right. adventure story because Batman had that vibe to it. You know, yeah. it had it, right. it felt vintage. Like, it, but it, I like most of the, the would be a lot more than I like the I'm I like the Tim Burton Batmans, but I don't really. But I like like the Rocketeer and the Shadow and the Phantom movie from the late 90s a lot more than I ever and even Dick Tracy a lot more than I ever liked the Tim Burton Batman. The second one is actually better than the first one. Yeah, we don't need more I Batman. The Tim Burton Batman movie is not good, but it was a huge no. hit. We need more, yeah, it more was different. extremely successful, which is yeah. uh, it was extremely successful, which I never quite. Uh, I mean, yes, it was a case of like, oh, Batman is dark and serious now, which was like, yeah, he's been like that in the comics for a few years now. <laughs> yeah, we don't need that. 
So, um, upcoming, I want to tell everybody they need to sign up for Nudist Camp <laughs> by Ori uh, Hit. Ori Hit. Ori I, I'm hit. not exactly sold. Sell me on this. Sell me on Nudist. I haven't so read it. I'm not sold. I haven't read it, but it is four hours, uh, I believe. I've got the audio somewhere around here, um, and it's read by Evan. Um, I started listening to it. Is this similar to that other one? Yes. You did? And yes. Not let exactly. me let me read you the back cover. Yes, please. Yeah. All right. So on the front it says they worshipped nature in the raw. All right. A scathing novel of life and love among the nudists. Lovely. Back cover. Della knew what it was to worship nature. After all, where she came from was considered quite proper to swim or sunbathe unclad. <gasps> she decided to welcome this strange sect that wanted to camp on her property. Though, I'm sorry, this yeah, strange sect that might that wanted to camp on her property, though he might even join in the fun and games. It was all so lovely, so innocent, until voluptuous Ada Holden, a girl completely without scruple, <gasps> began to love nature a little too passionately. Wow. Under such circumstances, few men could land a deliberate could land few men could with land deliberate temptation. Certainly not withstand deliberate temptation. Certainly not Ricky, Della's husband. It was then Della realized a she devil had entered paradise. <laughs> she fought back with the only weapon she had. Her own glorious body. Wow! 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 So I, I picture <laughs> sure she she's out there having sex with a tree, and everybody's like, "I can't believe this!" And then <laughs> it's like, "I can defeat her!" <laughs> and they have a tree fucking contest to an actual nudist beat okay. It's uh, it's not un- in, in, it's more common in East Germany, but also West Germany. Nude, nude beaches yeah, are Germans quite, love their nudity. Are quite common. And let's say a lot of the people running around there are not the sort of people you're naturalists. Want to naturalists. Around, they, yeah. they just want to love nature F- in the raw. <laughs> nature worship. Hey, it's a free free body culture. In They're Germany, air bathing. <laughs> Skyclad. Yeah, uh, and you can see those uh, Skyclad. And, uh, and um, I'm, I don't really, I don't, but I mean, uh, I've I've seen those those new beaches. The funniest thing was, uh, was um, was um, when we, when I was kid, my, we had a boat. My dad had a boat, and we went boating on the river. And there were beaches on the river, and one was a nudist beach, and it was like closed up all around with high fences. But of course, on the river you could see everything. <laughs> Let's say the people there was always like, why are all these? Why are always the people on the nudist bitly don't want to see nude? Because <laughs> of course I, I, I took. I mean, I was like fourteen, fifteen. Of course I looked, <laughs> but yeah. But There's I mean, a nude beach common, uh, yeah. by UBC here. Um, it's quite common, and it's not. Un- it's quite common in Germany. It was even more common in East Germany, 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 because um, it's because the uh, communists had uh, no clothes. They're so poor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, uh, some of the better, better bathing clothes and better clothes were were sometimes quite expensive or not easy to find, and so also it was, was considered. They saved them for the winter. Freedom. They don't want to wear yeah, them it out. It was a bit of freedom, and they, and uh, basically it was kind of it was really normal normal to go to the nude beach. In okay. East also, Germany. you you could see that they weren't they didn't, weren't wearing a wire, so that they weren't informing. Yeah, on you. that was not wire, but it was uh, yeah. It, it actually it's really it's really common that they had nude beaches in Germany. And so let's just say um, it, I suspect this guy was <laughs> this guy or he has. Never actually seen seen an actual nudist because oh most of I don't know about also that. Also, not really an exp- 
excited that just people bathing and running around the mute and not having sex all the time. So Ori Hip is just... quite a hit in terms of writing. He's got a lot of books. Yeah, he's a good writer, I know. He's a good and, writer. Well, that's the thing. So uh, uh, Evan told, has read it, right? Paul, the only thing um, I can tell you about it other than having read the back uh, and what Evan said, which is this. Uh, he said it's a good book. Um, and, you know, Evan's very dismissive of a lot of things. So he loves his Stephen King. He loves a lot of other things. But uh, he also doesn't love everything. So there's that. Um, uh, this, is, this, this should sell you. Uh, when uh, he starts doing his... Um, uh, female voice, I started laughing. <laughs> That's not selling. Now, I, I just want to pass this on. All right. This does not sound like a Paul book. All right. He's, he's not for the nudist camp. I understand. No, because, because that other one that Evan did with the... Uh, Brother the and other, sister. I didn't really cut into that one either, as you recall. What? So, You're not no. a big into incest? What? You didn't get converted? <laughs> um, no. Uh, who wants to be on Ori Hit's nudist camp? It sounds like Alex is in and also Cora. Yeah, I will. Uh, if I um, if I have the time, I will do. I will do All it. Right. I will let you. I will put me down, and if I can't, can't All do right. it. Uh, I'll put a question just mark through the me. link in the chat there. So. All right. Have yeah, got- I've just uh, put the. Yeah, I've just uh, just um, I've just uh, bookmarked the book so I can read it. <laughs> I've got I've got the PDF uh, already made up, and there is a uh, audiobook forthcoming. It should be out today. I'll, uh, I'm just editing, making it. Uh, yeah, the scan is clean. not very good. The scan no, it's is not that bad. Good. It's readable. It's, I've read worse, but it's it's not very the good. The <laughs> cover is a little bit rough. Um, that, yeah. Um, but no, it's readable. I, I went through the whole thing and made sure every page is there. So. Yeah, the cover could be better, but... Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> there's a better version also, of the cover. Also, it's mute tab. Oh, is there? Okay. Of course, okay. he's mute turning around in bed. <laughs> All right, because next. Because we can't possibly see anything. Uh, already signed up for this uh, is everybody, so just to remind you, um, The Black Stranger by Robert E. Howard. Howard yeah. Yes. Yes. Everybody's looking forward to that. That's going to be read by Connor. I should have the audiobook for that in hand. We're going to discuss the other two versions of this story as well? Ooh, well, I have not done my prep for it, so I don't know. Yes. <laughs> um, a Night in Lonesome October is for the last day of October. Not or the last day. The second the to last second day. To the last Halloween day of October. Um, and then Blaze... And then the Cosmic Computer slash Junkyard Planet, which is the same book um, by H.P. Piper. Innocence Abroad, that is very long. I believe it's 20 hours. Um, then Grave Descend, nice short uh, Michael Crichton. You in for that, Alex? Yeah. You're, uh, Just got to deliver sure. to this week. I figured you'd want to be. Um, were, you, were you in on the one we just did? Um, I was supposed to be, but that was, that was, that was traveling to Montreal. Dude, you missed a really good book. Did you listen to it? Uh, what uh, was, uh, wasn't Drug of Choice? I'll go was, back and uh, I think it was. go back and reread it. No, easy go, easy go. Drug of Choice was. Uh, oh, you you were not on that one either. That was really good. That's almost science fiction, almost Philip K. Dicky. Um, well, techno techno thriller, but Easy Go is is. Well, what did you think of it, Paul? Uh, we had a whole podcast on it. You know, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But sell it, sell it to uh, Alex. He should like it. Uh, I mean, I like writing. So. It's it's uh, in Egypt. 
they uh, right, right, right. It, right, right. It's it, it's the last tomb discovered in in Egypt with lots of lot and the the Amer- the the scam archaeologists um, get played by uh, by those that are trying to scam themselves. No, you just you just spoiled it. I said sell yeah. it. Not Plus, spoil it's, it. yeah, it's a heist story in yes. ancient Egypt involving the last two, the last uh, pharaohic tomb. Of course, there still are tombs, but no pharaohs. And um, it's the last, uh, and it's um, and it's got a really great sense of place, uh, place Very. that uh, Brighton Lang. Uh, Lang knew what he was writing about. It's uh, obviously written by someone who's been there, or at least done it. Not just Egypt, there's also scenes in Greece, Amsterdam, Greece, and, Greece yeah. and so on. And uh, yeah. it's all yeah. very, very, the scenes are all very well written. written. It's all very, the sense of place is And it's great, nice and, and short, like six, very seven short, hours. Very tight. It's great. Got, it's got, pulpy, it's got a nice sort set of pulpy adventures. If you like the movie Top Copy, you might like this one. It's, yeah. it's a, very se- a very good 70s style novel. Nice and short. Uh, and also it has like it starts off really well with the guy discovering uh, a mistranslation um, and he's like I'm going to get well, rich only, and then he a mistranslation. He, he finds there's a secret code yeah it, yeah, it had been it, it had, had been mistranslated yeah. in the past and he he figures out uh, this is coordinates for a lost tomb and then he becomes no longer the main character because he has to hire on a bunch of other people. One of them he runs into is an ex-Korean uh, War vet like himself. Both of them were captains. Who's a and, writer, yes. Yes, and uh, that guy becomes the viewpoint character. I, and, I mean, he's basically, yeah, the writer basically runs, finds... Yeah, runs journalist. He's, but yeah, you're right. He is a writer. <laughs> he's a I'm, I'm, I keep thinking as Michael Crichton. He is Michael Crichton, as, essentially. As, as, as I mentioned yeah. in the podcast. But they're all Michael Crichton as well, right? Like they're, no, but especially him. It's, but it's a, it's, it's a very solid, very readable book. And maybe you won't remember it in 10 years, but that's just good because you get to read it again. Right. It's one of I've those been books. very impressed by the early by these early Crichtons. I am gonna tell you, he's I, terrific. I, I I'm, uh, the later Crichtons are really hit and miss for me. They're often bloated and so on. Some of the ideas he's, are good, but he's no Eric Fennell. Really, really good. <laughs> yeah, he got too big for editing. <laughs> And that, that that is a problem with some writers. They get too big for editing. I don't think it was them. editing. I think it was just like he 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 was able to write big books and. Is, uh, you're right to the market, right? Yeah, those the thin, market wanted big books. No, those back small, then, back, yeah, now they yeah, do. But the back when he was, yeah, no, they wanted those the slim 90s, volumes. They wanted big books. 160 so. page books is what they wanted. Now we got 700 page books. Yeah. He yeah. was uh, he was writing uh, he was writing mainstream thrillers and the main and for some reason the mainstream the big mainstream audience at some point decided that. Uh, that to measure a book's worth by the by inches or by, yeah. by weight. Yeah. So we have these, these uh, very so all of these books are very very big. So um, other than that, uh, only thing that I want to add that's not on the schedule is um, Heads of Cerberus by Francis Stevens. It's a novel uh, available on LibriVox with a solo narrator. It's basically the only maybe there's a couple more Francis Stevens yet to be done. But uh, I'm having trouble finding people who want to do that other than Paul and Misa. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm up. I'm up for it since we've done a bunch of friends this season. That's- okay. Um, 
Uh, oh, but, 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 but looking at the schedule, and now we got to talk about Paul's vacation. Oh, I see. He's um, gone for two days there. I'm, I'm gone for, yes, because I'll be going to Vietnam. So All right. So, yes, we have to do it the 11th or not. You're going to commune with the communists? No, I'm going to I'm going to photograph a wedding. Okay. Sean's is, wedding, as a matter of fact. Is it a, is it a communist? Oh, wedding? hey, right. Well, um, uh, the bride is Vietnamese, but uh, I don't yes. think he's a. So it's no, a half a communist, communist half communist, communist said, wedding, no. half communist. Not, no, it's not a half communist wedding, Jesse. Be nice. Oh, well, you're saying being communist is not good. I think. No, but, no, it, I'm trying to look at the bright side. No. I'm not sure if you're looking to the. I, I, so, I hope. So yeah, I'm hoping. So yeah. I'm trying to salvage what situation we have. I'm hoping it's at least half communist, and that we'll they, they will have some communist babies. Um, heads of Cerberus, who's up for this? Do I need to sell oh, Alex and Cora? Yeah, what is Heads of Cerberus? Is that uh, what's uh, is that a, right. a story or a novel? It's a novel. I, mean, I know who Francis Stevens is. Here we so, go. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia. Originally serialized in The Thrill Book, it's first published as book form in 52. Um, the novel concerns people, this is a plot introduction, the novel concerns people who are, after inhaling a gray dust, are transported to a future totalitarian Philadelphia of 2118. Uh, it actually sounds interesting, but this one must be way older. Thrill book, of course, is also way. It's from this 1952 Okay, uh, yeah, so early, early science fiction by a female writer, so count me in. <laughs> dated and old-fashioned, <laughs> but noted it was a pioneering variation on the parallel world's theme. E.F. Blyler described the novel as highly imaginative work, one of the classics of early pulp fantastic fiction, commenting that despite simplistic characters characterization the cynical anti-authoritarianism in the description of the imagined future culture is refreshing. Blyler also noted the novel's resolution is a fine anticipation of the work of Philip K. Dick. Damon okay. Knight wrote, Those who insist on close reasoning and satirical wit of modern science fiction will find surprising amounts of both here. So That I, sounds I, quite promising, actually. And anyway, good. early science fiction by a female writer, I'm usually up for that, even, even if they're the ones which are not all that great. <laughs> yeah. I don't expect it to be bad. I expect it to be good. Uh, what yeah, do you think, Alex? Right. Are you a Philadelphia guy? Um, Can you stand not, in? But I could do that. Stand that's, in for the expertise there, because I've never been. I have been to Philadelphia. It's more I've expertise than I have. Paul, have you been to Philadelphia? Yes, I've been to Philadelphia. Most recently was back in 2016. I passed through Philadelphia on my way back from a trip east i went to a book uh, reading there by fran wild and uh, chuck wendick well definitely not a communist book reading um, <laughs> no no, well, no, um, no, no sad story reading. um well, you guys want this for 12 11 that will work for paul it, it, pencil it in there yeah all right. otherwise otherwise if i want in yeah i have to be it has to be next all year right popping it in i'm gonna add cora and alex yeah okay all right. Actually, regarding Philadelphia, I once um, 
I I liked the name of the city. That's a cool. I thought it was a, that's a cool name, so I used it as a background for a story I wrote as a uh, my early teens. It was just the starting point. The person came from Philadelphia because only because all the cool cool heroic people <laughs> came from came from the US. Like Rocky. Then he actually went somewhere I, to a place I knew, but I had this Philadelphia stuff in the beginning. And I, I just picked this. I don't know why I, I'd been to the US. I don't know why I didn't pick a place I'd actually visited. But I just picked the city because um, because it's yeah. I like the name and it's named like the, the seas and I like the seas. <laughs> so that's uh, sort of the opposite Philadelphia. And then I had to uh, I had to then I did some research, which basically consisted of looking it up on the. I may have read and I don't even know if there probably was a. Is there, I, oh yes, I figured out it's a big city. Big city was good, so yes, it's a big city. It probably has skyscrapers. It's in the U.S. at least, so yeah, it has skyscrapers. Skys- yeah, I need a skyscraper exploding early on, so yeah, it probably yeah, it has skyscrapers. It's in the U.S. It's big, big. And then I I looked up um, up where, it, where exactly where it was in the in a in a school atlas, and uh, and then I found uh, one of these um, metal resource cards, and it's like oh, it's got lots of coal there. There and steel works and oh so it's like like Ruhrgebiet which is our coal and steel area and so like okay I can write this so it's basically um, whatever survives still of this it's uh, this I haven't looked it up because but basically it's uh, this girl who li- who grows up with this uh, the steel worker worker Vietnam wet wet uh, dad who's uh, completely absent and uh, and a totally ambitious older sister and loser loser middle brother brother and the older sister works as a big skyscraper skyscraper and so on it's a and it's basically a, basically a Ruhrgebiet pretending to be Philadelphia only that only with extra skyscrapers a city I've never seen so yeah that's yeah it, it's the closest <laughs> city to like Bethlehem and Allentown and a whole coal yeah area, and so. uh, I eventually figured out that the actual steel stuff was in, uh, in Allentown and uh, and but those aren't big cities Philadelphia is the closest big city to them so you did fine yeah, this was all. This was, I mean, this was pre-internet. <laughs> Internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was basically first done with a with an encyclopedia at home and a, and a school atlas. Atlas. So this is, uh, but yeah, I I don't even. I would have to look up how much of that still survives, and <laughs> it is probably very very bad. But uh, at any rate, uh, this is uh, the, the poor character got stuck with this this weird steel uh, steel Philadelphia backstory backstory <laughs> story, which actually. Uh, which she, the character, still shows up on occasion. Occasion, but her, her backstory um, still infor- sort of informs her, but it never comes up because it's probably nonsense. She eventually went. She went off and did. And eventually went to places I actually knew and recognized. And I just did the whole backstory stuff. She also goes to magic school. And when Harry Potter came out, it was like, okay, I can do that story. Yeah, story. First, yeah. So did lots of other people. <laughs> did you know yeah, that so Benjamin was. Franklin was president? What? Of what? Uh, in of what Pennsylvania. Not in ours. <laughs> he was president of Pennsylvania. Yeah, that well, might well, have been. Well, he was head of the he was head of the of the colony. That's not quite the same thing as president. He was sixth president of Pennsylvania. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's actually real. Uh, okay. If that's the title they actually use. That's fine. I mean, okay. But he's actually president. He's kind of a. He was the sixth president of Pennsylvania. It's not, a, not a <laughs> fake job. 
No, no, it's just, it's just it's an unusual... The Supreme Executive Council of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He was the president. Right. So he was president of that, not president of the... Not the president of the United States. He was the president of a Supreme Executive of Pennsylvania. So interesting. Um, so that's what I mostly know Pencil, uh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia for is Benjamin Franklin um, and Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Um, I don't. I don't. Is that, in, is that in Philadelphia? So yeah. Rocky was an early Rocky yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, I haven't. Read, I haven't seen. Oh, it's a good movie. One it's at a the time, but I, I disliked Stallone and. Uh, you shouldn't dislike. This, uh, you shouldn't dislike Stallone. It's a really good movie. Yeah, the first one is good, actually. <laughs> a lot of his movies are good. They, he he's a weird guy for sure. But uh, he's, he's a good writer. And, um, the interesting thing is that movie. in the 1980s in Germany, Germany, in West Germany, the, the trifecta of Amer- violent American trash, terrible movies, terrible people, things that only that will make you violent and nazi and whatever <laughs> were, Rocky, Rambo, and Conan. And I mean, there are really hmm. there are movies you can call violent American trash, but they're not Rocky, Rocky Rambo, and Conan. Conan, especially not the first Rocky, which is actually a good movie and which won a, which won an Oscar, which was was won an Oscar as the best film, and it's yeah, a story Oscar. of a Rocky it's a, a very, good movie. It's a very good movie. It's a good movie. It's and a, it's, it's actually an text. excellent movie, and it's even like the sequels text. are. The later ones are, but this one is. Eh, I mean, they're Rambo fun. Also, not violent trash. Rocky Four is fun. It's half communist. Yeah, it's fun. And it has good music. Rocky two, Rocky three and four have really great music. Yeah. Except that I never, for for in my life, believe that uh, that Mister that uh, Sylvester Stallone could beat up Mister T and Dolph Lundgren. Sorry, Lundgren well, and T. It's a movie. Would uh, uh, wipe the floor with him. Well, he's he's got and heart. Mr. T, of course, does wipe the floor with Carl Weathers, and I think Lundgren does too. But. Uh, but Wells would stand more of a chance against those. Uh, against Sylvester him. Stallone's yeah. like five foot something, right? And what is yeah, Dolph Lundgren is six foot tall. three, four, maybe taller. Um, Dolph Lundgren is huge, right? So it's him. it's a mismatch for sure. But that's the <laughs> that's the cartoon aspect of it that's fun. <laughs> okay, I mean Dolph Lundgren is basically a living cartoon. He was he played living. Cartoons. He still is. He's, very, he's, <laughs> he's still guy, making movies. <laughs> Yes, he still does. He was. So, uh, he's uh, he's always. Man, uh, remember how they touted him as this super genius? He spoke so many languages. He had degrees and everything. <laughs> His movie choices show otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, mean uh, I like uh, Red uh, Scorpion well, and everything, fun. but come on. Yeah, the <laughs> of the universe is a cult. It's a sort of cult classic now. At the time, no one liked because um, because uh, the people who actually wanted to see a Masters of the Universe movies went to that one and said, like, okay, but that's not the story I came here to see. I want to see something like my filmation cartoon or whatever this is where they go to Earth. Right, they, they want to go to Earth. Yeah, they go to Earth. And get they go to Earth. Earth. But it's a really, it's a, uh, I rewatched it a while back and it's a, it's a good movie. It's just yeah, not it's a, just what not is, the Masters What is of the Dolph Lundgren's best movie? See, let's, let's, uh, uh, let's. Break this down. What is Dolph Lundgren's very uh, best Punisher. movie? Oh, the first Punisher Masters movie. Universe, Interesting. Maybe? Oh, yes. Right. He was a Punisher, I remember. Yeah. Oh, was he made that. a Punisher movie. Yeah. Right. Terrible. It um, was not great. And they didn't have enough Walking Punisher. Four might be his best movie. Yeah, that's the sad story, right? I mean, Red Scorpion's okay. 
but he's he, one of the things that I was I was watching. I, I guess yeah, it was ex- Sonia is, is kind of which has not good end on Claude Van Damme because uh, okay why yeah, have that was not good. One of these, these uh, European weird muscle guys. If you can have two, and it's an only Roland Emmerich movie. Not In, uh, movies, uh, but I think one of his first Hollywood movies is a uh, is Universal Soldier, and it's. Uh, a lot better than you would expect it to be. It's not that be. good. It's and uh, Emmerich was literally kind of desperate. He apparently um, was told, like, okay, you have a, you can do a movie. It just has to be called Universal Soldier. And it has to star these two people. And you can do whatever you like. And he was, like, elated, like, oh, I can do whatever I like. Like, I just have to cast these two guys and I have to use the title. And then uh, then his uh, partner, probably husband by now, but then was his partner, said, like, have you ever actually watched a movie with Dolph Lundgren or Jean-Claude Van Damme? Uh, no, I kind of know they're famous. Yeah, I watched a movie with them. And then, and then Emmerich was like, oh my God, what am I going to do with those two guys? And then he basically makes um, them zombies. <laughs> uh, so I remember in the Expendables movie, they actually made fun of of the fact that he was supposed to be this super genius. Because like, it's a very meta series. I quite like it. It's It's dumb. Um, but I, I like the uh, airplanes <laughs> and, um, well, they, they have like, they're sitting in the airplane and they're sort of going around the room talking about their various characters, you know, Jet Li's this and that guy's that. And we get the different, and they're, they're basically riffs on their own Hollywood personalities. And when they talk about Dolph Lundgren, they, they make him like an alcoholic and he turns into the bad guy at the end of the first, or the beginning. I don't know, halfway through the middle of the first movie, he gets fired and he ends up as a bad guy and then they bring him back on the team uh, at the end. Uh, but they they talk about him being super genius and speaking six languages and having all these degrees. And <laughs> it's like they're making fun of the fact that that's how he's promoted, like when he was in Rocky Four, right? Um but like for a guy who is tall and apparently smart and handsome and uh he he just did very badly compared to uh Sylvester Stallone or uh Schwarzenegger Van Damme Van, but no I mean, Van Damme didn't do great either <laughs> but he at least he had blood Yeah he did he, he had he had blood sport right too late for the the the, the, the Schwarzenegger and Stallone did the first of these muscle muscle guy movies and um, of yeah. early Chuck Norris and they came along in the mid to late eighties when this uh, the, it was still chugging along but it was mostly B movies at the at the time yeah, and that's it's true it's when they came al- and they were too early for the superhero movies I mean Fanda- it's I mean, true but 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 Lundgren those guys did play superheroes and he said like today's Lundgren is not superhero. really a great actor right I mean Stallone <laughs> can act yes Stallone's a very good actor <laughs> yeah. although he mostly doesn't. Most yeah, you know, Schwarzenegger. He, he's not a great actor. No, he he's can, not. There are certain movies you watch him. He can portray a really cool character. Yes, you know he can do that little smirk. He's got a little smile. He can he can make you like engage. He's charismatic on screen for sure. He's charismatic. Dolph Lundgren just isn't. I mean, he's <laughs> great true. as the robotic villain. Mm, but he's, okay. he's a hero. That, he's the robotic villain. Note. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a bit. He's always kind of stiff. He actually is a, he's, what I'm yeah, saying is a, the heights of his career are uh, Rocky Four and then uh, the Expendables, which is pretty bad because that's a you know like. Well, um, I'd say Masters of the Universe. The Masters of I the Universe. I haven't seen the Masters of the Universe. Sort of endured at least among 
fan, he was on a panel at San Diego Comic Con, a Masters of the Universe 40th anniversary panel, and mm -hmm. I think all of the younger people there on the panel were like, oh my god, God, you're He-Man, and I watched you on the uh, cinema, and he was mm -hmm. like, uh, I didn't actually like that movie all that much, but everybody always remembers that, and the Universal Soldier is also pretty good. Good, so good for what it is. I haven't, I haven't seen that since it came out. I remember it, I'm being very disappointed in it. Um, Which one? The Masters of the Universe? Or I haven't seen Universal Masters. Soldier? Universal Soldier. I remember because I was, I was big into... Masters of uh, the Universe feels like a movie that someone greenlit and then realized they didn't have more than a quarter of the budget they yeah, needed. They didn't have the budget to do it right. Uh, Let's so just film it in New Jersey instead. Weird... They went, okay, yeah. that's fine. Red Scorpion's pretty good. It's, it's a knockoff of, um, of uh, the... Sly Stallone goes to uh, Afghanistan, blows things up. Um, Rambo, whichever one that is, but it's set uh, in see, Africa, and it's uh, a Soviet soldier who's like a Rambo. Um, and then, he, unfortunately, he turns against the communist side at the end. <laughs> but it's a good movie yeah, well, as an action if you movie. Want it's pretty good. To win, you have to watch the Russian equivalents of those movies or the Soviet. Yeah, movies. it's funny because Which it's American no production, right? If they had Soviet equivalents, watch no. the first half in of Soviet Red cinema, Dawn. but I have yeah. no, no idea if they have these kind of uh, heat up action movies. Why, yeah. <laughs> you're sitting around in uh, East Germany or in uh, Soviet Russia, and you say, "Let's watch a good movie," and then they they start watching it and says, "The movie is over." <laughs> Wait, 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 as soon wait, as wait. as soon as they put all the Americans in the concentration camps. <laughs> Jesse, have you seen um, Death of Stalin yet? No, I've heard it's very good. You should. That's see very it. good. I yeah, because there's, there's a scene where Stalin wants to have movie night, and his cronies will wind up having to sit there watching westerns with Stalin. A very uncomfortable little mm. experience. Oh, there's a it's Red hilarious. Scorpion too, but it's uh, well, I want to watch it. I I've not had the opportunity yet. Um, it, there was a Red Scorpion too, but it does not star Dolph Lundgren. I'm not even sure if I've seen Red Scorpion. I've seen it's good. The, the name. The name uh, rings a bell, but it's not amazing. Uh, but it's uh, good. There, there were, I've seen a lot of these 1980, late 80s, early 90s action movies for a while. They were always on late night TV, and uh, they were always entertaining. So I've seen a lot, but a lot of them were also the, the B and C level stuff, the American Ninja and Delta Force and whatever mm -hmm. all these things were called. Some of these you were really good. And American Ninja. Well, they were. I don't know. <laughs> they didn't use all the same actors every time is one of the ways yeah. I, I can't keep track but Iron, um, was Iron Eagle Iron Eagle's good, first Iron Eagle it's not, it it's not amazing but, just kept going yeah, I think they went up to four at least all right, um, I gotta run you guys alright, thank you sir yeah, it's, about time, it's about time to uh, age and get through the day alright Appreciate maybe we'll it. Play, maybe we'll play. Uh, yeah, turn your thingy later. on later, and I'll uh, see you there. And got four dinners Bye. last last night. Uh, yeah, I also have to. Have thank to you, Cora. To have dinner. Sorry about the interruption with this uh, with this ringing bell, which I hopefully muted soon enough. Yeah, soon enough. I've now switched it up. Yeah, yeah, that's my mom. It's a. It's a, I really need help, call Bell, but she uh, but she apparently has, has started to using it, it for uh, for. Do you want to have have? And she knows I'm on a podcast, so yeah. I'm kind of angry now. Yeah, angry but she now doesn't understand what a podcast is. She, really she doesn't help, understand. It's like, um, do we want to have dinner? Yeah. You know, oh, look, look, we've got visitors. Yeah, mm, please she, don't use the bell. On she this doesn't. Universe. She doesn't understand what a podcast is. 
Yeah. People don't listen to podcasts. Pod- she doesn't know what a podcast is, I think. I That's right. Most so. Maybe say it's like radio. It's recorded. You hear it things. Yes. Yeah. And don't be mean about it, but she needs to she needs to grok what a podcast is before she yeah. will stop doing it. Otherwise, yeah, I, she will just yeah, keep doing it. Not uh, that it's ruinous. It's just you, you're just, good at stopping um, it. I've deactivated the bell now. So she can ring and uh, my, because my dad is there, if she really needs help, she good. can come. And come, so I just de- deactivated the bell, which I normally don't do. But I didn't think she would ring. She would ring for ring twice for nothing. I think once she <laughs> accidentally activated it. It's okay. Solved. Oh, somebody's okay. Yeah. All right. I'll see you uh, next week. I guess. Yeah. See you for the, the nudist camp. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I just can't. Uh, Paul, you don't have to do the show nude. It's 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 not it's preferred. Point. We're not seeing anybody. You can be mute. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, it's preferred that you do the show nude, but it's not required. Oh, God, God. Which I did. It's not required that you do it nude. It's just preferred. No. <laughs> Take care. Uh, yeah, right. Bye, Paul. Be seeing you around. Be seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm also going to sign off because I yep. want to have uh, to check what to have for dinner because I noticed that uh, we that that we we've run out of bread, bread and uh, baking takes a couple baking bread takes a couple of hours so yeah, that's a bit it does. for that and uh, it's sun- Sunday so I can't buy bread because everything is well um, the gas stations are not closed but uh, yeah. whatever you gas get station gas bread's station, probably not so good yeah you don't want to eat that no probably not. Okay, thank you. Have a good yeah, one. It was lovely chatting with you, yeah. and I'll see you. Around. I'll see you probably for the nudist camp. Sounds camp good. Next week. Yep. I'll send that uh, soon. Yeah, I've bookmarked uh, the archive org version, which is not very great but readable. Oh, well, I'll send you the PDF I made, which is slightly. Yeah, better. that would be nicer because PDFs are simply a lot easier to read. Yeah, will do. Thank okay, you. Okay. Bye. Bye. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF Audio. There was a rubber O-ring inside and it broke. And my and the few I have, I only had three or so, so they're all broken. broken. You're, I have to you're talking about the little plastic ones with them up and repair the O-ring. The little plastic ones with like uh, elbow uh, yeah, joints. Yeah, the little plastic ones with elbow joints. Uh, yeah. which uh, belonged to the to the there was a cartoon at the time. So knowing yeah. half the battles. Yeah, the Star Wars ones suck compared to those because you could Star Wars is like they walk like you know. Stiff zombies. Yeah, the Star Wars or ones are really, really stiff. They're yeah. really stiff. You can only move. You could only move them at the hips and uh, hips and um, shoulders. And mm-hmm. uh, the other ones were really, really nice to pose, but uh, but the rubber O-ring in the middle, which kept uh, which held the thing together. together. Oh, I think there was uh, a rubber band, band wasn't there? Mine, uh, which is yes, it was. There uh, was a rubber band inside. Yeah, that's right. The O-ring, O-ring, which is a standard piece, and they broke. Uh, and uh, after a while, they break apart. So mine are all, all broken at the, at the waist. 
Yeah. And um, you can repair them by simply putting, by simply opening up a screw and putting huh. in a new O-ring. I just have to get a new, I just have to have to borrow a new O-ring from, because I don't have find them on eBay. O-rings are important. You can only buy them in big quantities. So I need to, so I just need to ask someone who has them. Get your G.I. Joe <laughs> army back in fighting shape and send them off to Ukraine. Um, no, I, I was, th- I was, no, th- we'll I was thinking them here. I was thinking the movie Toy Soldiers for a moment. I haven't seen that. Is that a oh, Disney that's a movie? Lovely one. I love that one. Nuts, yeah, I, I kind of figured it would be a core deal. Yeah. What What did you I say, could... uh, Alex? Your volume's weird. It was good to start, and now suddenly, like all the self-adjusting volume settings have self-adjusted badly. Yeah, it's not awful at the moment, but yeah, it's a little bit underpowered somehow. Yeah, Unplug it, plug it back in. I don't know. Uh, How's that sound? Whoa, much louder. <laughs> Good. All right, uh, say some more. Uh, what so kind? Toy Soldiers was oh. about uh, someone put a military smart chip in a bunch of action figures. And <laughs> it became self-aware and tried to take over a neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is uh, uh, the G.I. Joe type, fig- type characters were actually the bad guys who tried to take over the neighborhoods. And the monsters who were their opponents, the monsters were just innocent uh, innocent creatures who were being hunted. So that was really, it was really, really funny, that movie. Uh, and very well is this made. starring Will Wheaton or is there a different one? No. No, no, the one with Will Wheaton is different. That's uh, also 1984? I will sack I've myself. never seen this one. Oh, it looks, uh, is it Claymation? Oh, it's uh, animated. It might be Claymation. It, it doesn't no, look, it looks uh, like it doesn't look CGI. No, it doesn't. It looks pretty good, though. Very slick. Yeah, 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 it, looks, yeah, it looks good. It looks slick. It looks a lot. It looks very good. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I've, I've never seen this movie. Kristen Dunst is in it. Yeah. Dennis Leary. And oh, he has, must be a voice uh, actor. It has amazing voice actors, actually. Oh, Robert Picardo. There you go. Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman, David Cross. Yeah, I'm starting to want to see this movie. Um, speaking of which, um, as pre-chat material, I watched uh, uh, Werewolf by Night, that uh, new special. Did you guys see that? How was that? I've, I've heard mixed things. Not yet. It's pretty good. Pretty good. It's, you know, it's meaningless because um, <laughs> it's just an adventure story. I don't think I'll remember it past today. But um, uh, what I liked about it is it sticks with the black and white pretty much the whole thing. There's, you know, uh, it starts in black and white and sticks all the way through. It's informed by, you know, old werewolf movies from the 30s and 40s. And... Uh, uh, it's it's pretty well done. Um, it's uh, you know, it's it's enjoyable. Um, I was wondering though, like it's it's uh, pretty gory, and because it's in black and white, you know, you don't see any blood. 
It's or it, if you do, it's just like a black splash or something. Probably not even. But uh, I, I don't. I didn't watch it on the regular services. Do they have like this video is full of blood and smoking <laughs> at the uh, beginning? Um, I have to see when I check watch when I watch it on Disney Plus. Yeah, when they do, they have that warnings. I do. I the only warnings I have seen warnings on Disney Plus. But I mostly okay. ignore them because, like, okay, I'm an adult. But I will, I will <laughs> check if they have a warning. But if you had a little kid, I was actually going to... to watch it yesterday, but then something else came up, and I didn't have the time, so I said, okay, I'm going to watch it tonight. Yeah, if you have a little kid, I, I was, I would wonder, uh, because not because I think you shouldn't, but I, th- I think it's just more gore than not that there's a lot of gore. Um, yeah, just. Uh... It's, I mean, it's more uh, more realistically violent uh, in some senses than uh, any other Marvel thing. You know, like somebody gets a axe to the head or a uh, sword to the head or something like that. And uh, limbs get chopped off and stuff like that, which is pretty unusual for uh, Marvel. Like, I guess... That's quite uncommon for Marvel and Disney. What, have what's the Winter Soldier has his arm ripped off at some point, right? But it, they, they do it tastefully. <laughs> Yeah, and then they give I him mean, an arm uh, back. Uh, yeah, it did seem like an odd choice to throw on the by a tour, and it's still done quite. Uh, but it's most, but they are usually. Um, I think the the intro, the scene of uh, Loki stabbing uh, Agent Coulson had to be. Uh, they had to be recut the scene because uh, originally there was too much blood. Uh, blood when he stabs him. Yeah, which is of course silly because uh, he just stabbed the guy through the chest. Of course, there will be blood. <laughs> there will be blood. And but mm-hmm. then they redconned it and made him alive again, right? Yeah. Then then he suddenly came back and uh, yeah. wound up in his own TV show, and um, yeah. then we kind of, uh, which I watched obviously, but then I sort of, of uh, fell behind and stopped watching, and yeah. <laughs> then it yeah, was really got weird. weird, and I've never seen, and I've no idea what happened. Sad story. Um, <clears throat> I'm almost done the first season of Primal, which. Uh, is shocking and amazing every episode. Yeah, Very Primal different. is great. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> Which it's wonderful. On? It's on HBO, I think, but it's it's originally a Cartoon Network. Uh, it's, I think, Adult Swim or something. It's um, in the US. I don't know what it's, it is. Uh, I, I mentioned to, to you, Paul, before in another pre-show. Yeah, I did. that's why it sounds awfully familiar. It's yeah, like, it's about a dinosaur. About uh, it's very, very good. Yeah, it's it, what, what I really like about it is Every episode is different, uh, but they're all sort of ripped from the Robert E. Howard catalog. Um, yeah, it feel it's a it's probably as close as a, to a Robert E. Howard adaptation that we've gotten, except that it isn't one. Okay. And he's got and he's got a mated pair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his girlfriend is a uh, dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, and they two, love each like, other. <laughs> yeah. In season two, uh, he gets a human girlfriend. Oh, uh, I'm I'm gonna have some jealous spats now. Yeah, but the <laughs> yeah, dinosaurs, of course, now. always his first love. <laughs> right, you haven't seen it yet, Alex. No. Oh, it. You'll love it. You will absolutely love it. Uh, it's will. it's the most uh, innovative and shocking TV. Uh, I've seen probably in a decade at least, and and it's you know a half hour uh, animated cartoon about a dinosaur and a caveman. 
<laughs> but it's done dialogue free, at least in the first season. There's lots the second of second season has some dialogue. Yeah, that's what I heard, uh, but it's not in English, right? Tank. Yeah, Iceland. I mean, Fang is a dinosaur. He can't talk, and they are, <laughs> doesn't really talk. They, they they have conversations, but it's it's more like one is yelling at the other, and the other one's roaring at the other one. Yeah, they're roaring and yelling and grunting. But it's it's great. Season two will will go on my. I don't yet know whether I will put the whole season in long form or the, or pick an individual episode. But season two will go somewhere on my Hugo ballot next year. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. I, and if it doesn't win, Hugo's are a sham. <laughs> right, Cora? Animated shows have a very hard time. Also, oh, yeah. I, don't, I haven't even looked at the category. With, uh, almost always disagree with the dramatic presentation winners. Winners This year was Dune in long form, which was on an, an expense episode in short form, which I was okay with. It wasn't my favorite, but I was okay with them. What one winning this year? And, uh, Dune in long form. Yeah, you can't and, you can't uh, judge that movie. It's yeah. only half done. Yeah, but it's just Jesse. An adaptation is not the same thing as the original. Yeah, but it's only half also, done. Dune was also first nominated. It's half of the original source material. That doesn't mean it's half done. It's half of the what story. If, of the source what if they never finished it? Remember that they did like a, a, a Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Ring movie and they never finished that series? Yeah, well, I, then it's, a, yeah. it's an adaptation of Dune World. Because right. Dune was, of course, originally Dune World. I don't think so. Was it was Dune three books. It was three books in that. Uh, it, and I, they cut it off in a very weird spot. I don't think it's halfway through. No, it's, uh, no I don't think it's really Dune World. But at any rate, uh, Dune was also a weird turn. Also, um, there was no way Dune was not going to win. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if what, something else would, even if I would have preferred some of the others, but Dune was absolutely was of course going to win because it's Dune. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got a legacy, I guess. People yeah, it's want Dune. to see it, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't an amazing film. Like, and you know, I'm reserving judgment on it because I haven't seen the second half. But but, but the, 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 just not. I'm I'm going to take rescue with this. You haven't seen the second half of the filmed narrative, which is a different movie. It's not. I know it's I a mean, different movie. It's like a different but, but, episode. But, 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 but you're saying you're saying half the story. I mean, you have to take this film on its merits as a as an as a work of itself. In my opinion, in my no, you can't. Opinion, they say uh, they they literally say this is not finished at the end, right? It's not like uh, this World Crime League. I'm waiting for that before I re- <laughs> before I judge Buckaroo Banzai, right? The, that says he will return. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. say this yeah, is yeah, part one, a uh, first yeah. half, right? Everybody knows it's the first half. You can't judge it really, well, other than to say I don't like things as they're going so far. Maybe they'll course, fix it. Um... If the next, but of course, then it will get another Hugo when the next one comes out in twenty twenty. Well, we'll see. Maybe it'll. It'll, it'll win another. It will get maybe, another one. Maybe it'll be it terrible. Does, like we'll see. We'll have the most Hugos for any series ever, except for yeah. uh, except for Norris. <laughs> but Dune actually, has, has pretty much every Dune has any adaptation of Dune has at the very least been nominated. I think Dune the has uh, two nominations, two or three for the original books, and then. Uh, 
and then it has um, nominations for every single film adaptation. Did, did, did the miniseries get it out? Yeah, even the miniseries, and that one was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, the miniseries was fun. It was no, okay. Uh, I found it terrible. It was okay. I found the miniseries so terrible that I picked up the book again, which I, at the point hadn't read in. In uh, ten or fifteen years, and uh, saying like, okay, was this book was the book always shit, or is just a miniseries? <laughs> but if you, I mean, if I you said, I, yeah, no longer liked the book as much as I had when I was sixteen, but that it was, but that's a miniseries really was bad. But if you look oh. at the book itself, and then you cut it in half, which isn't exactly what happened, but it's kind of what happened, and you say which is better, the first half or the second half of Dune. Everybody thinks the first half is better, right? Everybody. Uh, Not sure. Okay. Tell okay, me I'll, what's I'll, so I'll, great I'll, about I'll the second half I'll, compared to I'll, the first I'll, I'll, half. I'll, I'll, give it for, I'll, give you, I'll give you it for the sake of argument. Oh, but think about it. All the things we like, all the Jessica stuff at the beginning, the, uh, the banquet scene, which isn't in the movie, uh, all the um, But it's box, in the Right, yeah, but the box, right? Uh, Getting to know the lots of of setup of the world building is in the first half. But all the super (laughs) memorable, the Duncan Idaho. But it's like the back half. What do we got? We got uh, Gurney Halleck running around in the desert, and then we got a knife fight scene at the end. Worm riding. Worm riding. Worm riding is cool. That's for sure. But it ain't cooler than all the other stuff. But 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 we also we also get Paul trying to come to terms with his destiny and yeah that put me feeling to sleep. he can't he, that he, part he, he puts can't me escape to sleep. He, um because because I know you read for ideas not for character so much yeah yeah and, and, and if you but if you read for character Paul's plight is compelling in the second half of the yeah movie because well and and and, he, and then he spends the next several books still trying to do it and failing every time it's 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 a very Sisyphean task on his part to try to avert his destiny. No, what, did, and what, I appreciate that. Did those um, Twilight movies win anything? Cause, no, because because that's a lot of brooding uh, no, and. Uh, oh really? I'm surprised. The brooding's not the. Uh, um, yeah, it's a lot of people. dark eyes. It's not, and Hugo Boss was one of people who read Twilight. That's the thing. I mean, at the time, Twilight was also the books were popular. Sure that... They we didn't have the YA award at the time, the Lone Star, so um, they would have had to go up against the regular. And that was the time when. When at the time when urban fantasy and paranormal romance were were topping the, the bestseller list, and there were some really really great urban fantasy series at the time. Not necessarily the most popular ones. Twilight wasn't okay; it was for kids, but it wasn't that good. Good. There were some really really great ones. None of them ever got Hugo nominations, which uh, made me really really frustrated. At the well, time. I was thinking about the movies. The Hugo being wins always were like people like Werner Winch or Charles Stross. And I think, like, okay, no, it's not, it's just didn't win, but he got nominated a couple of times. And uh, actually, those, those Hugo's of those uh, years, I found some really terrible. It was mostly, like, a lot of books I didn't like and, and a readable John Scalzi book, and but that was the best thing, or maybe a Neil Gaiman book. If you really just read yeah. Scalzi. No! I hated the, <laughs> I hated the Hugo winners of the... And a lot of the short story stuff I didn't know at all because um, those were mostly from print magazines, which are just flat out not available here. <laughs> uh, what was the bold statement? Is my mic still sounding weird? You're sounding great now. Um, okay. What was the bold statement? Was that about oh, the, the Twilight movies? Because I haven't seen it, them. Uh, Hugo voters don't read Twilight. I'm like, that's. I don't know. I'm going to need some stats on that. I feel I like have that's, no idea. that might be inaccurate. 
It's very uh, popular. Hugo Botas at the time the movies came out. Mm. Barely that that YA, and if and they didn't reach Twilight, which was YA aimed at girl at teen girls, girls, and it's yeah. a probably good. I mean, it's a it's a book I would probably have loved it if I had read it at Harry Potter. Did it win? But I was, uh, yes, I was Harry, a bit Potter, older. Harry Potter did win. What, did um, it win a Hugo or did it win yeah, a? it won a Hugo for uh, movies um, or for that was the end regular. Of the world for some people. Gregory Benford wrote a very angry letter to Locus that somehow how Harry Potter winning a Hugo in. 2000 or something was the end of the world because now the children <laughs> would all read Harry Potter and want to grow up to be wizards instead oh, of reading uh, Einstein and wanting to to be um well, he's right about that. And this was the me- <laughs> yeah. And this was the reason why um why um China would take over or something like that. Oh, was Gregory ridiculous. Benford get off my lawn. Well, yeah, I mean I I I think probably not causal but <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're not close. It, it, is it, he wholly wrong? Also, in China, completely wholly wrong. Hugely popular in China. Which is yeah, I, also, which I mean, is I very would popular like in China. For young people to read more science fiction, but uh-huh. they're not going to read science because uh, the Highland juveniles are simply they are way too old. They were old-fashioned when I tried to read a few of them them as a teenager, and that was uh, in the eighties. How so really dare you? <laughs> uh, Say uh, Heinlein is old-fashioned. Um, I did, I never really connected to Heinlein. Hey. Heinlein. I liked some of the the juveniles. Um, novels I didn't like like uh, like the, the other ones. Once after there was because it was always like okay, all this the moon is a half mistress. Great title, great great concept, but half of it is, is lengthy speeches and the rest. It, is it has a lot of speeches. So, yeah, As Heinlein got older, his books got way weirder and more obsessed with time traveling incest. Yeah. yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that's the last three books. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, incest was in there from the beginning, but they definitely uh, got liked, longer. He thing about incest. I mean, another, which who doesn't? I know it's a but I don't find find incest is mostly a case of like uh, like real life incest cases are all tragedies. It's either abuse cases or the cases of people who who grew up apart and didn't know they were related, and then they meet in adulthood and uh, and have an incestuous relationship. They're mostly tragedies, and um, also it's like, uh, honestly, if someone, if consenting adults want to have sex with their siblings, I really don't care as long as they as long as they use um, birth control, so they won't have uh, have um, so they won't have have damaged uh, have genetically uh, damaged children. But I don't, I really don't care. I don't even know why it's. But it's still illegal, illegal as long as as it's all consenting adults. So, but I don't find it sexy either. It's just like <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I was uh, I read the Sun by Pierce Anthony. Did any of you read it? Mm-mm. It was, um, a, it was which, a Nebula and a Hugo finalist in the nineteen from nineteen sixty seven. Wasn't and everybody says, well, that's a good Anthony book. And I tried reading it as a teenager, and uh, I, I hated this, this bloody thing. That, Thing oh. it hits the wall and it has in, it has incest. Basically, it's incest is the only true love. And another one which has a great premise and then it's just uh, incest. And I, also, weird. everybody wants to have sex with the hero, but he only loves his mother. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <dear laughs> it's terrible. It has a rape scene in the middle, middle, and it has a great premise. And then it came up for Galactic Journey, and I offered because I still have my old copy. I offered to read it again. 
Oh, again, oh, oh, and, uh, Corey, and Corey, Corey, I was too young, and I hated it even more the second time around. And then Gideon Marcus said, "Oh, I got a, got a copy, and it's all of you don't have to do do Shasan." I said, "I'm half through this, through reading this bloody thing. I will will review it, and uh, you don't have to do it. It's awful." He read it at first. He said, "Oh, that's a great premise. Yes, it's a great premise, but just wait." It's awful. <laughs> and, then, and then he came to the end and was like, oh my God, this is so terrible. Bill, this is horrible, this book. And I said, yeah, I want you that it's awful. Didn't I? Yeah, so we both wrote a review and we both wrote like, okay, <laughs> sorry, this is an awful book. See, see this sorry. is why you want a Hugo Gore, because you're willing to take this stuff on in a way yeah. that I generally shy away from. I would not have touched the book. When, when I was young, I read some Piers Anthony, and then I came across the short story collection. I was like, oh, great, Piers Anthony. And then I read the story in the barn, and I've never touched Piers Anthony. I since. read the story in the barn? You, it it's was a story, story it's set the story's in the barn. Oh, okay, okay. In the barn. It's set in the barn. Got well, it. Well, yes, no. it is set in the barn. It's a title. <laughs> it's also set there. I get, I get yes, it. it, it. It's a multiverse story where the, where the protagonist travels to another Earth. He can't find any any uh, large mammals, but insists it. Except for humans, he, he wonders this weird. He goes uh, exploring and he finds out that women are basically being bred for um, meat and milk. Hmm. And he has sex with the duplicate of his girlfriend. In yeah, the bar. It's, it's really. Uh, <laughs> it is Anthony, awful. Uh, Anthony is really. The first time. The first time. The first. I mean, um, at Galactic Journey, we are pretty deep into the 60s now, including stuff which was considered shocking at the time time and uh i've read the first gore book it was uh it was just dull dull about uh, the first the third was just just an endless info dump that i almost started screaming like okay where's the sex gore is supposed to have <laughs> sex where is the sex it does show up but it's the first one uh, barely has any sex the first one barely no, has no, it, it's, it's, it's mostly set up dull. Yes, it's mostly set up and it's dreadfully dull. And he's he's the, going to the store yeah, to get the condoms. He's thinking about he's thinking about um, what sex he's going to have, and then book yeah. two, he actually he has doesn't sex. Have sex and, uh, <laughs> at first, he doesn't even, even understand when when he's offered a woman for sex, and he's like, uh, like I didn't know what my, what he meant by that. That by offering the woman for the night, but I thought it was wise to decline. It was like, uh, <laughs> really, you you don't know what it meant. But it was just, it's just bad. But there was, yeah. but the reputation of Gore rests on the later books. It's not in the very first one, and probably also not in the second one, which uh, I have politely left for someone else to read. Yeah, and I've had, I've had a Babel, which is really good, Babel 17 by Delaney, which also is supposedly shocking because it has a, it has a, it has some polyamory, and the polyamory scenes are basically people, so two people talking about their. There are um, triple relations, relations because someone is who is depressed because uh, one partner of their, their tri- of their triple pairing died, and uh, and another woman who said, "Well, I was in a triple pairing, but it was that all the the stuff in there." There's, don't think there's any sex at all. It's a very good book, and all and those were shocking. And then, but um, the Pierce Anthony book that was really yeah, that was what you think the, the new wave is like. Like or what I thought because I hated this Chisson book so much that and a and the and a Michael Moorcock story, a Jerry Cornelius story which wasn't very good and which I read at the exactly wrong point in time, were which which made me like okay I hate this new weird new way stuff I'm never going to read that stuff again based on a bad Michael Moorcock story and a 
and this absolutely unreadable Pierce Anthony thing. <laughs> All right. Who wants to do a show on Black Priestess Varda? I do. I'm raising my hand. That's like why we're here, isn't it? Say yeah, again, just, Alex. Just, 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 just kicking the piss again. And speaking of books that weren't that great. Hey, hey, save it for the, the podcast. podcast, bud. How dare you? <laughs> speaking of books that aren't that great. How dare you? Um, I'm going to spit my gum up. There we go. Uh, so, Jesse Paul, uh, which is it, Cora or... Cora. Is Cora okay? And then Alex. How can Cora have already passed wait, Alex? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Let me check. Let me check. Thank that. you. You're absolutely right. Check that. Um, Paul's not I doing don't his mind job. Going last. Really, I don't. <laughs> Paul's not doing you've his job. You've a bunch lately, so um, let's see. But Alex has been uh, in it for the long haul, compared. Um. Well, actually, I don't have Cora listed because she's so new. Oh, that's right, because because she's only really been in the last month, so she doesn't have any official numbers yet. So yes, Alex. All right. So Cora's last. Here we go. I only count ones published. Uh, Paul, you got um, you got a recorder going, right? Um, yes. All right. Here we go.